This is Justin Smith with Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. with like two gold chains and you gotta <laughs> speak in a Russian accent while you have the Bluetooth in your in your ear. Yeah. 100%. I'm gonna get right on that. Right. Slovakian or something. Me. We wanna see a picture when you when you do this. So. Yeah, new Halloween costume idea. Yeah. Russian totally. hitman slash pawn shop owner. Alright, let's... We're, we're going. Let's jump so into this. You, it's your, you take it. I take it? You start it off. What's going on, everybody? This is Jacob Routes with JLB Morelia, and as always, I am here with... Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. This is episode... 36. 36. We are joined by the ever-gracious 2019 Southeast Carpet Fest hosts, Pia and Cody Bartolini. What's up, guys? Hey, thank, thanks for getting our last name right. Hey. <laughs> Hi, guys. It's really not, I mean, it's not that difficult to remember or get right. It's pretty simple. Or, I mean, if you read it and you sound it out, you'll, you'll nail it, but people don't, and it's, it's crazy. <laughs> they ever call like, you, like, Bertoli yeah. or, like, one of those weird, like, pasta I companies? I get Bardinelli a lot. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, they, the, the way that people, you know, roll the O's and L's and I's and whatever, it's like, did you just, like, you just shot from the hip, didn't you? And it's like, it's <laughs> like, if I get a telemarketer, if I get a telemarketer or something that, like, if they at least get the name right, I might, like, not hang up on them right away. But, like, the second, even if it's somebody that I really need to talk to or something, if they get it wrong, it's like, I'm hanging up on you. I'll wait for somebody else to call me back that can get it right. Clearly, you're not paying attention to your job. So. Oh, my God. But what's God. going on, guys? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, not much. Typical Thursday night. Yeah. Cool. Our, our typical Thursday night, we're hanging out, walking around on the property because um, our AC went out, and um, you know we haven't been able to get somebody out to fix it um, all day because everybody clearly is so busy fixing other people's ACs they can't even pick up the phone. So I've got all of our freaking herb stats in there and everything just yelling at us, you know, because I've got all the heat alarm set and mm-hmm. it's like every, you know, I have them at like you know 90 degrees so that way you know it's like because that's still a safe temperature yeah for yeah like all, but it's all a good heads stuff. up so just so yeah because if i have them at like 86 or 88 or something like that you know that's 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 you know we, we will usually set the temperatures a little lower than that depending on what it is but like on 90 it's not critical but if i have it set to 86 i want to know why is it 90 because it shouldn't be 90 so then i could catch the escalation of a, a problem before it's like oh it's 120 mm-hmm. degrees and everything's dead everything's so, like, cooked <laughs> yeah so everything's like you know we definitely couldn't be in there doing the interview because it would just sound like a bunch of people like at a microwave convention just pushing a bunch of buttons <laughs> you know just like burr, 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 you know it's uh so uh so yeah, so everybody but the Montane room is uh, getting you know probably normal reptile temperatures for for most people's thing, but uh, pretty pretty hot for us. But the Montane room is a nice sixty degrees right now, so that's definitely the place to be. Yeah, that was my favorite room of the whole the whole joint because I don't like oh, I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a fan of, of sweating and heat, so 
that room was I'm telling perfect. you, like, when, when we found montane species, it's like, oh, my God, these are things that can be kept colder all the time. Mm-hmm. And then there, there's a part of the year where it's even colder than that. So I could walk around in there in a sweater versus being, like, out there just sweating and dying and, like, just horrible. And it's like, man, these things are pretty freaking awesome. And, uh, yeah, no, that's definitely my favorite room, too. And uh, we love trying to trying to grow it, growing you know new species and, and stuff in those climates that uh, there, you know there's a lot of montane stuff that you know you didn't realize was montane and, and, and you start looking into stuff and you're like, oh okay, you know like I, like I'm pretty sure golden mantellas are a, you know a cooler weather mm-hmm. uh, montane species and it's like I've always loved golden mantellas and I just like I just thought they were like another dart frog but from Madagascar right you know. And, uh, but I'm, I'm sure there's some amphibian person out there going, that's totally wrong. You know, I don't know. I'm not a amphibian guy. Don't claim to be. So, um, well, so yeah. For the people that don't know, um, as well, as all of you know, we're sponsored by Fishhead Diagnostics. What you may not know is that Pia is involved with Fishhead. Um, so real quick, since we didn't have a Nido question of the week, we figured we'd let you meet. One of the people from Fishhead. One which of the Fishheads. Yeah, one of the Fishheads. <clears throat> so, how and when did you get involved with Fishhead? Um, so, I guess, well, how did I get involved with Fishheads? Um, so, Susan Fogelson, uh, the veterinarian, is a good friend of mine. Um, and she is the head of Fishhead, uh, Fishhead Labs, as well as Fishhead Diagnostics. And she is our, um, our pathologist and the person that we use for all of our kind of necropsies and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so when we kind of had our, our nidovirus outbreak and she was doing all of the, you know, necropsies and stuff for us. And we were using labs like, you know, University of Florida and CSU and talking to people in the community. And it was just kind of showing that there was definitely a need for people to have kind of a validated, affordable kind of at-home nidovirus test. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of what kind of drove us to to be able to, you know, give that to the community and support them and try to give education as much help as we possibly could. So so Susan is kind of the, the head of Fish Head, and I'm kind of the, the helper kind of person. And is it mainly just so. you two doing doing that, or is there other people Yeah, involved? so, no, it's, it's, it's just me and Susan. Um, so Susan runs Fishhead Labs, just the uh, necropsy service, and she does mm-hmm. other things like, you know, biopsies and things like that. And um, and then Fishhead Diagnostics is me and her. Um, so we're the ones who basically answer all the questions, um, ship all the or all the tests, all the kits, stuff like that. Um, the Instagram and the social media stuff is the stuff that I do. So mm-hmm. I apologize because I am not a social media person. So. If there's any critiques or advice or anything, I'm happy to take that. But um, and then Susan, obviously, as a veterinarian, she's the one who does all the results, all the all of it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah. Cool. Well, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of add to to that. Like, I, one, I don't have anything to do with fish head diagnostics. I'm not a veterinarian. I'm not a vet tech. I don't don't give any advice other than our own experience and stuff. So there's the disclaimer right there, you know, that I'm not a part of that. But like, I, I think another reason why it was born was when, when we did have this uh, outbreak of nidovirus and really dove into it with the necropsies. And at first, you know, like we, we weren't sure what it was. And mm-hmm. then, you know, 
you know, more in-depth test, uh, testing, you know, revealed what it was. And, you know, you, you guys all have heard the, uh, the, the stories there. I don't want to get off on another Night of Virus tangent. If, you, if, you, if you're curious and you want to hear nine hours of Night of Virus talk, you could go check out the uh, uh, GTP Keeper Radio. That We've been on two yep. episodes of that kind of going over everything in detail. And then also uh, Morelia Python Radio with... Uh, with Laura Hoon Hanks and uh, Dr. Mark Stingling. I hope I'm not butchering that. You could tell me if I'm not. Yeah, um, that's good. Sounds good enough. Awesome people. So that that kind of will sum up like a lot of the nidovirus questions and, and on all of that. But when we were going through this, um, you know, it, it was it was pretty obvious because we had tested a lot of our friends' collections that were under the the like that we sent to. Uh, the lab to get analyzed to, you know, see, hey, you know, because after we started coming out about it saying, hey, like these, this is what we're seeing. These are the symptoms and blah, blah, blah. Other people were like, hey, I'm having similar things. I'm having similar things. Could you guys come and test our stuff? And this was all under the their, their research grant. So this wasn't like just giving up free testing or whatever. This was trying to, to compile data. Yeah to figure out like how, how widespread this is and everything. And all, and all the people are like, you know, they remain anonymous unless they choose not to and whatnot. We've, you know, we don't talk about who they are, but you know, it was, a, a, everybody was, was positive for night of virus and in high percentages too. So it was, it was one of these things that was like this, like there needs to be, cause if you wanted to go and get a veterinary exam and diagnostics and all that, not saying don't do that. You want to promote all that stuff, but you might you have to pay a lot of money just for the exam and all of this stuff too to find out what it is. A lot of these snake breeders that already kind of know that the basic veterinarian stuff, you know, and, and work with their vet may just need to see if they've got a positive animal in their in a in a, in a quarantine entrance or a quarantine exit kind of exam style, yeah. and then be able to talk with their veterinarian about a management plan of of all that stuff. So like. That, and, and then Susan has been a long-term friend of both Pia and I. Uh, Pia, when she was at uh, the University of Florida, Susan Fogelson was a, was a resident she, there, Pia? No, or a no she, was a, she was a vet student. So I met Susan student. in like 2011 um, as a vet student. And she um, finished her, you know, her DVM at the University of Florida. She has a master's degree, a PhD, and did a residency in uh, pathology. So she is a boarded, like, amazing smart um you know boarded exotic veterinarian so she's fucking and she, rad. She's and, rad and she's pretty rad yeah. too so she's rad like you know she's awesome and uh i don't know if there's any swearing on your show or not but yeah <laughs> so we don't care yeah you're good <laughs> yeah, you're, you're good. Fine. Um, but uh yeah you get a little carried away uh, but yeah, no. So like when I first met Pia, when I was at the alligator farm and, uh, you know, I was in charge of the reptile department's veterinary stuff. Pia was a vet tech for the University of Florida. And that's how we met. Um, I also at the time that Pia and I were, were dating and, and hanging out and stuff. That's when I met Susan at one of the dinners and uh, that we went out to. And we've just been friends ever since. And then, you know, we kind of like just all meshed back together as we're doing our own thing. And Susan's back here in Florida and. Uh, you know, doing her own business too. Uh, you know, all of our necropsies go to Susan because she gives the best 
necropsy reports out there you know you get pictures of of every every step of the way through the necropsy so Mm -hmm. you you can kind of understand more of what you're looking at instead of just looking at a report that like only another veterinarian could understand you know it's like it's uh they're they're really good and then um you know just uh pia and hers collaboration on what was going on with our own personal stuff it just kind of developed as as um you know uh I think to you know help raise the bar of husbandry quarantine and just disease management really I mean Pia could like correct me if I'm, I'm saying anything no I, you're line. you're right on it yeah so. no it, it's it's just being able to help people kind of have the tools that they need to be able to do quarantine testing um, for infectious mm-hmm. diseases and just kind of you know because you get an animal in and you you know put it into quarantine things like that and if you just do visual kind of exams and kind of just look at them and you don't do, you know, viral testing or fecal testing or anything like that, then, then you're missing a lot of kind of a lot of the puzzle pieces that, you know, they might have something that is what we call subclinical where they're not showing any signs, Mm -hmm. but I mean, there's, there are signs, but they just might be very minute or very kind of minimal. And the second you put them into your collection, you know, you might have animals die left and right, but that animal's fine because they're kind of okay with it. Um, so we're just trying to help the community to be able to raise that bar and be able to test animals um, with infectious diseases and quarantine and stuff like that, just to be able to kind of, you know, yeah, provide that, like, that actually, kind of those tools. Yeah, actually be proactive about it and actually do something about it. Yeah, and be able to know what's going on in your collection, too, because, I mean, we've been very open in, in our kind of collection that we, you know, we have ninovirus, but we're, you know, we're testing for it. We have, you know, separate areas for each of the animals and, um, you know, well, the thing is, like, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're fine. Um, like, as uh, is, is far, because these things are out there, right? They're, they're just not going away. As much as you want to just, like, close your eyes and wish, like, hey, like, as long as our husbandry doesn't suck, we're going to keep these things alive. We're going to breed them, and we're going to make a shit ton of money, you know? And, and that's just not how it is. Like, if you're going to do this right, you're going to do this for the long haul disease management is really disease prevention like mm-hmm. that that's the big thing is, is like because once once it's in it's gonna sweep you know like and you just don't it's yeah. like a wildfire and you just don't know where it's gonna stop but if you can if you can test it and eliminate it at the gate before it even enters the main collection um you know you're gonna greatly reduce you know not everything you know things slip through the cracks but you know like all the zoos and stuff you know like i've got a zoo background on, on, on top of a private one, you know, obviously you got to be in and do it first to, to get into a professional position. So everybody starts off privately at one point, but like when you go to the zoo field, you kind of see like, man, these guys, this is, they take this stuff seriously. Like when we would send stuff out, you know, we would have a quarantine exit exam where we would te- do blood work. We would run all the tests before it, it would, it would test clean before it left the zoo to go to another zoo. And then when it went to the other zoo, it would be put into quarantine for 90 days <clears throat> or six months or whatever, whatever their quarantine period is for the facility and tested for the same things again before it enters the main collection. So they're very thorough about making sure that they find it before it, it enters an established collection. And all of us break that stuff, you you know, it's like, oh, we're going to bring this in because it's OK. It came from a friend and blah, 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 you know, 
and and you get something and it's like well you know you can have you can have 30 40 years or whatever of acquisition and, and having animals that have just come in healthy and your husbandry is good and all that stuff you bring in one animal or a couple animals that are compromised with an infectious disease and you could you could potentially lose all of that you know all that progress everything you did that whole collection is compromised at that point from um you know just just being you know lackadaisical about stuff and it's like these things are out there and the technology is getting good enough to where you know you can have a, a a test for it where you could swab it and submit it from home you know like that's pretty awesome like you know even if you live you know you don't have an extra building or something to put this stuff in we say it all the time it's like well if you put it in another room and it's segregated and you test it and you can identify it early on and get that animal out of there or manage it a certain way like that would be better you know mm -hmm. all snake friends have uh, everybody that has snakes has has friends that are not snake friends that are friends that you're like that just accept you for who you are as a reptile person and you know it's like pressure one of them to keep one of these things at their house and you'll take care of it on a different day or something you know it's like there are other options yeah, to, yeah. It, you know not entering it to a main collection doesn't matter what size it is but it's uh you know it's a scary concept and you know it's like i've i've been doing this you know as, as long as like as like you, you physically can be you know like I, since i was a little kid and was able to like like keep something in it you know without killing it i was and you know i'd never seen any of this stuff before because not that it didn't happen but there you know this stuff dies and you're just like you know okay i don't know why it died you might have your suspicions on why it died and you put it into a you know plastic bag and throw it in the trash or whatever you do or stick it in the freezer you know everybody's got a really nice freezer collection of stuff you know and it's a, that's where it went instead of getting a necropsy or something you know we, we always you know it always turns into this when we're talking about this because it's really just not sunshines and rainbows in this field whether it's zoological or the private breeding side of things it's mm -hmm. like if you're not if you're not testing this stuff and you're not identifying things as they're coming in it's like you just don't even know and uh you know every time something dies like the most valuable thing that we, we do are necropsies you know it's like it really sucks to spend that money <laughs> you know but because it's like you know, you're going to spend several hundred bucks, but you're going to learn something from it. And it, it, but it, that only if you're going to if you're going to apply that and do something with it and actually, you know, up your your game like, hey, all right, well, I'm serious about this. I'm going to need to get a, a shed in the backyard and put a window unit in there. And that's where new acquisitions are going to go um, kind of thing. So, I mean, it's just uh, but yeah, so the, the fish head stuff, it's like you know, as a quarantine entrance or exit, like if there's something that you want from somebody and it's thousands of people, like some people are going to hate me for saying this, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's thousands of dollars and you're about to piss that right down the drain because, you know, like it, it's not tested or whatever. If you don't have like a clause, if you, the buyer needs to be informed, like the buyer needs to know about these kind of things and, and talk to the seller ahead of time and say, Hey, like, I want to test this animal either they're at your facility and hopefully they're honest and they swab the right snake. Right. Cause that's something that, you know, you might have to like, this could be a day and age where we've got these 
amazing phones that could take all these videos and we could do all this stupid stuff on Snapchat and Instagram and stuff, putting little fox ears on you with sunglasses and stuff. <laughs> what, 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 you know, why don't you just uh, like, uh, you know, have a video of the person swabbing the actual animal that you're going to get, show them that it's, it's kept in these kind of conditions. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you get it, you're going to quarantine it. You're going to swab it too. You're going to test for those viruses. And if the animal comes up positive, have a, a clause, you know, like, okay, either send it back to you or there's some sort of, um, you know, agreement to where it's not just like, oh, you, you know, you sent me this diseased animal or something. And then also, you know, the person buying the stuff may not have a clean collection and the animal that's being sent could be totally clean, but the person had not tested their entire collection previously. And then let's just say said new animal gets sick and then said seller gets blamed for the virus when it wasn't necessarily them. So there's a lot of stuff that needs to be like taken, you know, and we just have to, like, I think open communication is where it's at. Like, and, and if you're doing the right thing, you, you shouldn't be offended when somebody asks you that stuff. If somebody asks us to, to test an animal, like we're already doing it, you know, like with the venomous stuff, when we send it that out now, paramixo, paramixo is a, a virus that is, uh, you know, it's like, you know, like, we'll just say it's the nidovirus for vipers and stuff, but it's, it's, it's different, you know, like, I'm not trying to say that, but, uh, like it's, it's, it's contagious. It, it really hits vipers really hard and it can affect other venomous species. Other venomous species can be carriers. There, there are, um, reports of other things being carriers too, like different types of rat snakes and things like that. So it's like, these are just things that like, when we're about to sell an animal to somebody or send an animal to somebody, it's like, these are just things that we're going to do anyway. And, uh, just, just, just because just, to because that's, I feel like what you should be doing. I think that's the new standard. Right. Um, and, uh, but some people may not want to do that stuff. And if, if, and then you just got to decide if whether you want that animal enough to take the, the chance on it or not. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's no joke. And like you could you could lose everything that you worked so hard to build for decades just by taking in the wrong animal and just, you know, just just being, you know, just like not exercising proper quarantine. And I like I said, I think it's prevention all the way, all the way for, you know, it's like if if you because once it's in there, you just don't know where it's going to stop. You know, you don't like there's a lot there's a lot of question marks on transmission of all of that stuff, you know. So, uh, it's just like, but if it doesn't come in in the first place, people say, oh, well, we'll get what we want and then close our collection. It's like, well, what if you close your collection with an asymptomatic animal? That's not really good too. You know, if you don't already know this, you know, we've already spent so much stupid money on these animals. I'm like, I'm sure every, like a lot of people listening could relate to that. Uh, you know, why don't, why don't you spend a little bit more to see, you know, if your animals are truly like as healthy, you know, I don't think quality is just wrapped up in captive born anymore. Sometimes I think, you know, I'd rather take a chance with a wild caught animal than coming from somebody's collection. And that's saying something. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to come up from here, you know, sorry, I did that again. <laughs> I think sometimes Cody gets on a little bit of a rant, so. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I took a breath that entire time. That's, you didn't. That's impressive. You didn't. I say there should be like some sort of like record of how long Cody can talk without a breath. Yeah. We're just gonna we'll keep like a buzzer and like when we yeah. get to like the minute mark, be like take a breath and hit the buzzer, and then 
you just keep going until we we cut him off. So uh, what do we want to what do we want to talk about from the beginning here? What was that? Well, PS. <laughs> um, one of the biggest things that I noticed as far as post Carpet Fest stuff was you guys got a ton of compliments on your facility and your animals. Uh, but I don't think many people realize how many animals you guys actually have in your collection. So how many do you have at the moment? So we're, I want to, uh, I got to look back in the inventory. Uh, well, not inventory. God, that not that an impersonal way to say that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> to the collection records and uh, and see what we have. But uh, I, I would, I want to say we're over 300 right now. Jesus. Well, yeah, because we didn't uh, see all the stuff in like the, the quarantine barn yeah, so there's yeah. probably a good bit we didn't yeah oh i forgot yeah. i even forgot about those so well, more. Say, so the the quarantine barn that you guys are speaking of we have probably um i think we have six ish uh green tree pythons from the original group uh two olive and two palmerston jungle carpets mm-hmm. six six ish six ish yeah that number which is uh it's there's, awesome. Yeah. There's, I think there is six. I feel like I feed six snakes in there. So, so Cody and I do separate duties. I do the night of our shed or what we call the infectious disease shed. Mm-hmm. And Cody does the rest of the collection, which makes it easier for him to not cross contaminate yeah, um, from yeah, that infectious disease shed to the, the main collection. So, Right. Did you say six? You said six from the original night of virus. Yes, right? I did. Yeah. Okay, you're totally right. Because I like so I had to. Th- like, I I just like if if the audience if they could just envision me just having a blanked out look trying to like envision what is in there. While I looking think at the building from we the had. Bar. I think we had a total of twenty four uh, green trees in there initially, or twenty. I don't know. It's been a few years that we had the yeah. um, the most that we had, but yeah, we had quite a few in there, um, and I was still doing all the care everything for them and um unfortunately we had um diamond pythons in there inland pythons a whole bunch of other stuff and um they've all they've all passed um but we still have a pretty good group that are um doing well no signs no symptoms but they are positive so they've they've kind of gotten to to live in in that other building so yeah so it is six it is six from the original group so say but yeah so there's yeah, we lost a lot of, of stuff. It, it hit us pretty hard. So, like, when we say, like, hey, it can ruin a lot really quick, you know, it, it definitely can. And and people that, like, want to, you know, sneeze at it, like, oh, it's not so big, you know, such a big deal. It's, it's like there are different strains, and some might not affect others. Like, it does, you know, certain individuals. Certain individuals might, might handle the virus way worse. Some of them, like Morpheus, you know, he's the rock star that we reference all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, like, 12 years old, and, and he's positive, and he's uh, been, you know, just everything you would want in a hearty healthy animal like he has not he hasn't popped with a respiratory since he's been in our collection he looks freaking awesome and uh if you gave him the right lady he would definitely breed with her like that you know i I hope so because we've got a couple ladies in there with him right now uh that they're not paired together but i would i would love to get another uh clutch out of him i've never produced from him before but we have some of his babies here and you know he's dream lemon blue line and he's like 
he he's I like the dream lemon stuff is just like I mean like I was into chondros but when that you know that those are just phenomenal snakes they've got the white go you know like kind of the the washed out ghosty look yeah. you know you've got like rainbow sherbet oranges and yellows and there's blues and greens and they there could be brown peppered in there with black like they, like the dream lemon stuff does like some amazing things to these chondros and uh yeah so we got a couple females in there that you know if we could get one last hurrah at a morph i mean he could he might be he might live to 20 i don't know you know that would be sweet but uh you know if he could give us another clutch since we've you know seen that the, if you separate, you know, segregate the clutch from the main collection or whatever, if they're positive animals, you can get naked babies. Uh, that would be awesome. And I think I'd probably hold back every single one of those snakes because, uh, you know, he's, he's like second generation dreamline. So yeah. he's, uh, he's a pretty power packed animal. I mean, like he, like some of the most extraordinary animals that came from him were bred to a Bioc that was a red neonate. And like, it just, made the phenotype that you wanted mm-hmm. like and, and, and some people were like oh because we were getting really good money for these animals and they're worth every penny and people were like oh it's a it's a locality outcross and you're like but it looks how, like how you want it exactly <laughs> like, the thing is like four, four years old and looks just ridiculous looks all kaleidoscoped out you know just every freaking color you know uh, represented and it's like Oh, but it was a Bioc that made that happen. Like, it's it was funny like a that dream. a little that a little pinch of Bioc or a little pinch of Wamina thrown into a bloodline like that just completely takes it up to the to a, you know the next level. I love it. Yeah, it's no, crazy. I think they're essential. I think they're essential animals in your in, in, in any chondro breeding project. Like you know, Waminas, um, yeah, the uh, the Bioc Cyclops. I love Cyclops. Like I just think that that's just a phenomenal locality and. And I think if, if played around with, with some of these different uh, designer bloodlines, you can really make some outstanding animals. And just them themselves are outstanding animals. If you just want to pair, you know, them to each other just to make more of them, they're right. awesome snakes all on their own, you know. So it's like you just can't go wrong with them. Can't go wrong but, with chondros, uh, period. Yes, no, can. no, no. If they're, health, if they're healthily sourced and, and <laughs> tested, I think that they are i think they're super hardy animals you know like in our experience we we take care of some real pain in the ass stuff that wants to die and like there's so much worse than chondros there's so much worse than chondros and and like i think if you you know it it does take a little bit of you know like you know i'm not just saying everybody sees all the noobs getting in there you know and, and and like you know having their chondro problems but i think if you've if you've kept snakes before and you have general snake husbandry and you don't do all the ridiculous stuff you know they're they're just a really hardy snake and uh like i just don't you know i just don't see all the ailments that like people say if it's not viral related mm-hmm. you know like every time like I, i've seen a lot of stuff where it's like you know like after identifying different viruses and stuff and when you see animals having a respiratory infection after uh, you know like what is a respiratory infection it's like oh so i got an ri it's like oh what is an ri like what, yeah. uh, what is an ri like can you can you scientifically break down what that means oh it's an upper, upper respiratory inf- infection or whatever it's like okay again can you break that down a little bit more because like whenever we get necropsies it never just comes up oh it just had an upper ri like mm-hmm. you know or whatever well and i say like, i can i can interject a little bit like there are so many different causes of ri's right. but like 
you know, there's bacterial, there's, you know, viral, there's fungal, there's like, you know, heart disease, there's, you know, all sorts of different stuff, like protozoa is like, there are lung worms that can cause a respiratory, like, sign. Well, that's something I mean, I've just... been saying for a long time, too, is like, respiratory infections are almost never just respiratory infections, like, they're a symptom of exactly. a bigger issue, like, it's, mm-hmm. they're, they're just a, a really shitty sidecar to a bigger bike. Yeah, and I mean, and the way that, like, so, you know, people always say, like, oh, I take my hands for that, and they didn't, they didn't do anything. But a lot of times, like, they're ruling stuff out that you don't even know about. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, they're doing a CBC, and they're seeing that it's not, you know, there isn't a certain infection, or they're doing a swab or a culture or, you know, just a visual exam, a fecal, things like that that will tell you, you know, something that the animal doesn't have, which is probably just as important as telling something that the animal does have. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know taking your animal to the vet is, is a pretty important thing um, because there are a lot of information that they're, they're getting just from ruling things out. So that's just kind of my little, you know, soapbox. Uh, oh, I agree with you. I think I was the same way where like when I got necropsy before I met Pia, you know, we, 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 we say BP, you know, before Pia, you know, before I like actually <laughs> started. So, you know, like, because like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. But at the, at the alligator farm, um, you know, like after I got put in charge of doing all the veterinary um, stuff for the reptile department, you know, I, I really got to see how naive I, I was with, you know, just everything. You know, when you get to talk to like real reptile veterinarians and get exposed to real reptile professionals like in in herpetology you're just like whoa like these guys are on a totally different level and it's just they're just very thorough they're very professional they're identifying this stuff you know from the from the beginning and i remember like when i would you know just send a do an ecropsy as a you know a private person and and nothing came back and i was like damn it you know it's like and i should have been celebrating it's like it's like what was it It was supposed to be like ri or what killed this thing you know like the generic ri Mm -hmm. and uh you know just not knowing shit about veterinary medicine and all these like weird zoonotic infectious diseases and all these problems that these animals actually have and it's just like like just go around all your different clouds of animals whether it's amphibians turtles and tortoises and you know snakes and lizards like each one of the different groups has their their real known ailments for those those animals and stuff and it just that that's the part of this that like seems to get left out because it's not the sexy part of it you know it's not like you know it's like people don't want to hear that shit they just don't want to hear it and and uh it's like the most important stuff because you know like, like these animals can be doing so good and then like something happens and if you just if you just if you just throw them in the trash and you don't if you don't necropsy them or something like you're risking your whole collection because you thought you knew like mm-hmm. every single time i we necropsy like like we have our guesses and, and our personal experience and stuff of knowing these animals and it's just like every time it's like what what that's what did it like I, every single necropsy like the uh we we had like yeah we we've just had so many weird uh, Pia could probably I'm gonna put Pia on the spot on a weird case. Oh. No, I was gonna say the um, we had a, a rainfall spitting cobra that um that died for un I don't know what Cody's doing but for unknown reasons and um we did a new phone, I, Sorry, I put my phone in my pocket. Yeah. That's a damn. Oh. Um, but anyways, uh, we did a necropsy on a uh, ring call spitting cobra, 
mm-hmm. um, was kind of fine, you know, a week or two ago, had eaten, uh, couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, and the, the necropsy revealed that it had some sort of nerve deficit um, to its kidneys and wasn't able to um, kind of, you know, excrete the urates and all the stuff like it's supposed to and mm-hmm. literally died from uh, renal disease oh. um, because of, you know, some sort of issue, some sort of weird thing. And we would have never have guessed that um, if we would have just been like, oh, you know, probably was, uh, it was a female, you know, it could have been a re- reproductive thing and just stuck her in the freezer. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn so much just from doing necropsies and things. Um, and I was going to do a shameless plug for ARAD, which is the Association of Reptile and Amphibian Veterinarians. Cody, stop putting your phone in your pocket. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what are you doing? I didn't. I just, <laughs> no, I set it down. I set it down on a pump house. I was, I literally, <sighs> no, I literally just, like, I, I just wiped a bunch of mosquitoes off my arm and just smeared a thing of blood, which is really nice. attractive, right? So I, so I went to go wash it off, and I stuck my phone in my pocket because I've got this headset that's supposed to, you know, as we talked about before <laughs> the show, that, that should go to the earphones, and I can put the phone in the pocket and still do that, but clearly I can't, so I'm sorry, and continue. <laughs> welcome to welcome to the Cody so, show. So did anybody time that one? Did well, anybody like, time how long? That I was? wanted to I wanted to plug Arav because that's kind of the thing yeah. that I've noticed with a lot of people in the hobby that are you know they may not be keeping or breeding on a serious level, but <clears throat> you see a lot of frustration with people who say I don't have a vet near me, um, and then the ones that they do, I kind of understand. Because not every vet knows what they're doing as far as reptiles go, or at least they yeah. they know a hand, you know, a little bit, but they're not really specialized in it. And so it's like, do you know how well the level of attention to detail or care you're getting with the vet that you're going to? Um, well, and I was going to say, that's the great thing with A-Rod is even if your vet isn't a part of it, isn't associated with it, like veterinarians who don't have any association can contact people on you know, from that group. And, and, you know, usually the vet community is, it's, I mean, it's big, but there's a lot of people who know little things. So they can always reach out to somebody and consult or ask questions Mm -hmm. or things like that. So, I mean, it's, you know, even if your, your vet's a dog cat person, they can contact somebody who's like, you know, a few hours away, but that does reptiles who they can kind of uh, talk to and see if there's, you know, things that that they don't know about or things that they could test for. Cause most vets, they know how to do, you know, they know how to do like the basic things um but they may not know specifically reptile stuff but right you know doing like a swab or doing a fecal or doing a cbc or or things like that you know mm-hmm. any vet can do but um but you know knowing it what kind of disease processes and stuff if they're not reptile kind of centric then you know they may not catch the little weird things or you know certain certain kind of diseases that that these reptiles have gotcha but you guys recently had a litter of the Bothriopsis lateralis? Um, uh, by, by Lineata. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that would be That would be a hybrid of Bothriopsis yeah. and Bothriopsis. But, I mean, that's <laughs> like... Which, which, actually, to be totally honest, would almost be the same snake. Anybody that, like, works with both of those, like... So the the latter both Rhinus lateralis is the side striped palm pit mm-hmm. viper, and 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 both Rhinus bilineata is the two lined forest pit viper. So if you look at them side by side, they both have these um, these stripes that go down their their ventral. They're kind of touching their flanks and on each side of their ventral going down. Like both of them have these, and uh, 
one you know one of them is like the both reopsis is just like the much more laterally compressed leaner version of both reactus like both reactus are just like kind of like the chubby version mm-hmm. you know that but uh but uh but yeah so no they, like they really are so similar after having them both like just as far as their looks go they both have like the you know you'll see some, like the phenotype on of them could be a little different but they'll have like paired um you know golden uh spots going down the vertebra and uh but but so it could be absent in some there could be more blue and in, in, or green in both of them but uh but yeah so bothriopsis bilineata the two-lined forest head viper is the one that we just had a litter of and uh pretty cool like pretty exciting yeah we uh yeah i feel like it's not even facebook facebook official yet no, we haven't. I haven't been, like I haven't really been doing a whole lot in social media right now. Like I've got about seventy five hundred videos and pictures on my phone that won't allow me to open the Instagram app or do any of the social media stuff. And I've been have I want to go back and like be able to uh, select the good photos and delete the other ones, but I've just been too busy to do that. So I'm like, ah, oh, it's fine. You know, it's like every time I have to take a picture or something like the little thing comes up like there's not enough storage in your phone to do this and it's like okay i guess i just won't take the picture or whatever so pia took a bunch of photos of them um the other day so like i uh i was the first one to discover them just because this is this is what i'm doing every day now so i should i guess i should be but uh i was changing out the foot bath of the you know the front the front door there and um I walked back in and I just like walked by and it just looked like a bunch of like Christmas ornaments on, you know, a tree (laughs) because you like we, we were hoping for a good litter, but you never know. Like we, like I got video of these guys breedings, um, you know, like six ish months ago, um, back in September. And I didn't even post any of that on social media because, like, when you when you're busy all the time, like you get like you you know you guys know how it goes. It's mm-hmm. like you, you post a little bit more, you get a little bit better at it, and then like life happens, and then you you, you just don't because you're like ah I'm, like angry at life, and I just don't want to post anything right <laughs> I now. Don't do it. I don't want to do it. Oh people. man, damn! You just hit home with that one, Cody. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's been me so, in the past, like past like two weeks. Yeah. No. Totally. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then, and then once, like you know, what, like when things are, you know, then we have the tendency of doing that. Like when things are good, it's like ah, oh, social media. When yeah. things suck, it's like ah, so the hell with social media. Yeah. Well, so, um, yep. you know, and and I, I'm also starting to learn like stop posting every time your snakes wrap tails because every time you do that. Like you're about to set yourself up for people going like a year later, like, hey, whatever happened to that? You know, it's like because I did that <laughs> with both Riekis Orifer, the yellow blotch palm vipers. We put them together last year. I got a lockup and I'm like, yeah, you know, like ready's like like guaranteed success. We're going to have baby yellow blotch palm vipers and it's going to be awesome. And, uh, you know, I made a, like a Facebook post like, yeah, you know, and uh and then just nothing ever happened. I never got slugs. I never got anything. Females Jeez. still there. Just it was recreational. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a hundred percent recreational. Uh, and it was such a good lockup too. Like the females dragging the male around by his hemipenes, and you're like, oh, it's a, it's a total lockup, you know. <laughs> and uh, and our and our and our Montane husbandry is good, you know. We 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 have good uh, Montane. Uh, species husbandry i'm not gonna you know it's like 
how do you exceed that? Like we'll never quite get to what these animals actually can ever experience in the wild. But we do, we do as much as we can and what, and what's available to us as far as, you know, products, you know, we use Zoomed, Zilla, Exoterra, all their different lights, you know, UVA, UVB, we do it all, you know, follow, you know, my, like, um, the uh, San Antonio Zoo guys, those guys are good, good friends of ours, and, and they've got a dialed-in Montane husbandry protocol, and we're, you know, um, we're, we, we can't follow it exactly, um, but it's, uh, you know, being here in Florida, like we're doing our with our current facility, like we, we hope to, to get better at what we're doing, but as far as what we're doing, um, it's pretty good. And then talking to a couple of keepers, they're like, we don't even follow it exact because they've got like different, like different time, like temperatures for different times of day that are just like, it happens. So like fat, like it's like with the sunset and the sunrise, right. like, how do you guys do that with your AC? Like, how do you guys program that? They're like, you know, it's kind of like, it's like a guide, you know, and some of the rooms, they, I guess they can do that stuff better, but then it's like, you know, we have it maybe moderately cold during the day and then really cold at night and then give them, you know, basking sites and all of that stuff. Um, you know, but, uh, oh man. So, um, I don't even know where, where I was going with yeah, that. Cause I remember during stuff. carpet fest, I think P had mentioned that that female, uh, Bothriopsis was gravid and you guys were, or you were at least yep. thinking she was. She was looking yep, apart. Okay. Yep. Thanks for getting me back on track there. Yeah. So she was, uh, you know, she bred in September. She was looking big. She was thermoregulating. You know, you guys uh, remember the setup. She was we had her at 18, 18 by 18 by 36 Exoterra. Had a UV, like the uh, Exoterra 5.0 UV. It might have been a Zoomed 5.0, kind of interchanged the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then a, a Zoomed uh 60 watt uh blue bulb uh that that admits uva you know it's uh you know at least it says that you know, like scientifically you know helps uh promote like good um good feeding behaviors breeding that nat- nat- natural behaviors and stuff and it, it sounds good i you know i assume that these guys have done you know i i trust a lot of these guys and i'm friends with them and they really do put in the research so you know, a lot of that stuff is, you know, as herpers, you're like, okay, that sounds good. We read this stuff. We're like, okay, I hope, I hope all that stuff's right. You know, we'll use these products for these animals. But it seems to be, you know, as, as good as you can in an indoor setting, you know, in XC2, if you want to be like, you know, scientific about it and mm-hmm. stuff, about, you know, outside of the wild. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and bioactive. So we had live plants growing in there, live, uh, you know, vines and, Vermiliads. I'm gonna do a shameless. I'm gonna do a shameless Ian uh, Bissell. I got the last name right because he always yells at me about that. We both go. He gets my last name wrong all the time. So <laughs> you know, but I know he's probably sitting there listening right now. And and I love Ian. But uh, yeah, we got some uh, Vermiliads from Ian at uh, the last Daytona show, and he brought them up for us. So those are in the the Bileniadas enclosure, and uh, a bunch of cork tubes, and there's a little water feature in there that we have some uh some guppies and uh and some um nerite snails in there just to kind of keep the whole bioactive thing going we've got isopods we've got the the dwarf white isopods and giant orange isopods in there and springtails if i can remember to we've got these cultures going and i'm like i try to be i'm like oh yeah we have springtails i got to put more of those in there and you know all that stuff got to get that down but uh, you know and then uh the zoom ed uh led 
lights that promote the, the plant growth. So that's more for plant growth than the animals, but it definitely makes the animals pop, as you guys saw, you know, and, and promotes probably a more realistic, natural photo period for these animals because mm -hmm. um, the, the, vege the vegetation is so dense. These animals in nature are probably not ever exposed to, like, like, ex like just straight up um uh, you know light or yeah. you know sunlight yeah. or whatever they're, they're 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 pretty they're in a lot of dense vegetation so but but how like all that stuff works see like the uh the um oh, what what what's the the book I, by john courtney smith uh bioactivity the theory of wild uh recreation I, I think i might be butchering the title but there's a really good diagram in that book of um, you know, how light and UV and all that stuff works. So even these animals that you think don't really get any UV light actually because of the way that the, the plants bounce it off of each other and what, what mm -hmm. have you, um, they do get it. So it, it's like, is it necessary? Some may argue no. Um, but, you know, like some of these UV and U, UVB and UVA light bulbs are as much as regular light bulbs. So just buy those ones. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the you know it, it, it's not that hard to do a little bit better for the animals and you'll enjoy them a lot more because of the way that you know you, i think the animal's only half of the the presentation right like it's like the the animal with the you know where they're from or trying to create what they look like in, in nature is what really makes them so special like um so these guys are all set up in a naturalistic vivarium and uh you know we were thinking like because we knew the female was getting close to, to dropping you know, she produced in 2017 but she only had one baby yeah i and saw that those, one yeah the lone yeah the loner the little loner uno uno we call it it turned out to be a male and he was the only one there were no stillborns there were a couple of slugs in there mm -hmm. but but nothing nothing overly developed you know i just kind of think of it as the product of her not having a real successful litter and it was the first time you know that she bred at least for us these were imported animals from Suriname, and uh they actually came from our buddy joe Sikowski. Um, who we, uh, you know, who, I don't even know if he posted him first or told me that he had him, but like he, he's, we got a, I mean, the, the pair that we got from him was just exceptional and they, and they bred, you know, so that's, that's great. And, uh, the female is just a really big female for, for them. I mean, I haven't really seen a whole lot of examples of bilineata, you know, other than the ones that, that we own. I, I've seen some at Fort Worth Zoo. Um, but, but just not a lot of, I haven't worked with a whole lot of them to be honest. And so I don't really know what, what they can look like. You know, I've seen some eyelash vipers where I'm like, Oh, that's how big they can get. I guess I should feed mine more. Or maybe people are feeding <laughs> them too much in captivity. I'm like, shit, that thing looks like a gold cotton mouse sitting in the tree. Like, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So it, like after having one baby, I'm just like, you know, like try not to get too excited about it. Like I didn't really, I didn't post when, when they actually uh, locked up and uh, I'm just like, I guess if she produces, you know, we could put all that stuff together and throw it up online. And when I walked into the house the other day, like after filling up the foot bath, I was like, Oh, there's like a lot of them all over the place. Like they were, you know, cause we were thinking about moving the female out. Like, okay, well she's going to give birth in a bioactive setup. Like, is that do we really want that like mm -hmm. the babies they can't get out of the enclosure but just the nightmare of yeah of having to tear everything either. apart and dig them out and all that stuff <laughs> oh they could they could probably curl up on a dime 
you know, or yeah. a penny or something. They're very tiny animals. And, um, but it was so cool to see them in that setup because they were in a skyscraper, you know, like, but like other people might've had them in, you know, like some tub set up with, uh, you know, you see that plastic hardware cloth stuff. But look, yep. I mean, it's like throwing a, it's like throwing a six pack wrapper in with the damn thing to sit on. You know, it's like, here's this snake that in the wild is, you know, just like, like its body is always touching some sort of probably wet vegetation and it's like wet all the time. Like if you go to these, you know, these countries where these animals are found, like when you, when you do find them, we haven't seen both, you know, we haven't seen both in the wild, but we've seen both reactors in the wild. And every time we see them, they're like wet. They're just they're like a salamander, <laughs> you know, like they're just <laughs> wet. And, you know, whether it's raining or not, like these things are probably wet, like all the time. And not just sitting there on like a six pack wrapper or sit, uh, suspended over newspaper, you know, with a water dish and stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, will they live? Sure. But like, are you doing as good as you could by the animal? Probably not. And uh, yeah, so we're just like, let's just keep them in there. And if she gives birth to a, you know, nice litter, whatever, you know, and that's, and that's what happened. And these guys were all over the place. They were like, they were, it was so crazy. Cause like, you would count them and you think you'd have a, a, a number and then you'd look from the side and there would be one that was sitting on a part of the vine because we've got creeping Charlie vine that's that's going through there. And, uh, you know, at least aren't overly big or anything like that. But like there would be one that would be sitting on the vine just just hidden by one of those little leaves. And you're like, whoa, like this is cool because they're just like and they all immediately assumed very natural positions. Like if they were in a tub in one of those setups, you know, they'd be like going like cause we have tubs, too. You've seen it. We all do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've bred them, you know, I've bred other arboreal vipers and tubs and you, you, the babies are just all pressed up against the tub, like crawling up the side of it, trying to get out. And then they're not being very natural because there's not a lot of natural stuff to be natural. So in this setup, like these, these little bilineata just immediately went right to, you know, like this one's like perched in the, in the crotch of, uh, of one of the twigs there and just looks so natural. And then there's another one that's like, you know, in, in one of the, between the leaves of one of the bromeliads and the other one's like, you know, like they're all just doing difference and they just look very comfortable. So I was like, I just let them be in there. We'll just, uh, we'll just get them whenever we get to them. So we just, and how many, we just pulled them all. how many do you end up with? So this is a, like, to me, I feel like this is an insane litter from going from one, you know, I was thinking, you know, I, I definitely wasn't thinking, I thought like, if we, if we could get eight babies in a, in a litter, I'd be like happy with that, maybe 10. And we ended up with 16. It's a huge litter, like pretty crazy. Cause I, you know, I wasn't you know, like, again, I, I, and that's, and that's the moral of this is like, just, if you don't get your hopes up too high, you might end up with 16 babies. And if you, if you post it on social media right away, you might get nothing. So, uh, <laughs> that's and, the curse. And, and still like with that, so that's the, the Instagram curse. Yeah. You know, and still you, you don't know what you're going to end up with. We've got 16 babies right now, but they haven't gone through their first shed yet. And you know, we're like, I, like, I'm pretty dialed in at this point with teeth feeding arboreals from chondros to, you know, all different types of mm-hmm. tree vipers. And, and they're a pain in the ass. Like, you know, they're, they're never really not a pain in the ass. Even if they're not really a pain in the ass, they're still a pain in the ass. They just like to make things and difficult for no damn reason. They do, you know, and like, I will, I will, I will, I will sit down there and I will put in the time to get these things to, 
you know, you'll have to start them off on little, uh, you know, like hopper mouse legs and yeah. things like that stuff that will fit in their mouth, pinky that's, parts. Uh, that's how baby squams you know. are, dude. Jake's over here like baffled because he can't really fathom it. But like, have you ever seen a baby squam? They're tiny. Yeah. They're so small. It's so unbelievable tiny. how yeah. little they are. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's a chunky little viper too. Like when you see Bileniata as a baby, you're like, I mean, they are so thin, and they're so tiny. Um, it's great. Like I thought these ones are actually pretty good. I, I felt like they were appropriately sized. Like people see them and they're like, oh my god, you know. I thought they looked. What, what did you think, Pia? I'm gonna come up for air here and, and get you. <laughs> like they were, like they were literally like could fit on a dime yeah because like, you sent me a picture a dime, of one of them but it's kind of hard to get context of just yeah, how so tiny like, they are so i tried to like i tried to take a picture with my thumb next to it and like my thumb was giant compared to these little things That's they nuts. were like so tiny like yeah yeah that's really so tiny are... that is really small <laughs> Oh, it's yeah, just like so chondro you know, babies do. too because like i was like man these eggs are tiny and then i got babies i was like oh my god these are tiny and then yeah. it, like jake's babies hatch and they're like three times the size of the freaking chondro babies and i'm like what the hell my, my babies are already eating fuzzies <laughs> so good god yeah, man. That, you know that's on chondros is where i got good at teeth feeding baby arboreal tree vipers a lot of people that know me probably would think it was the other way around but uh, I actually really got good at, at arboreal heat feeding through our like our first clutch of chondros and and after realizing like hey you gotta be insanely aggressive with these animals mm-hmm. within reason like not kill them but like you gotta you gotta slap box them a little bit with the food item to get them to to defensively grab it and and instantly turn it into a feeding response you know and and then just freeze and and then when they drop it just do it again do it again you'll know when you're closer when they're when they're grabbing it they're hanging on a little bit longer like at least with the chondros like if they grabbed it and they wrapped it and they covered their eyes a little bit i could sneak away that was good like with the tree vipers they don't do the whole constriction thing so they like grab it and they're just right there looking at you and you gotta like turn away because i swear when you look at them they're like ah and they drop it you know because they freaked out and it's like you look away you're like i'm not looking i'm not breathing i'm gonna just like kind of slide off to the corner here and uh, and hopefully you you swallow it and then you know buns start working it down and you're like oh yeah they're gonna eat it and then like when you start thinking positive that's when they fling it across the They room. can hear like, you. Yeah, they're like, no. <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, yeah, I remember I got a clutch of Lara's. This is when Forrest and I, you know, Forrest Fanning, for, for those of, of, the, of the people that don't know Forrest, but uh, when we, we met each other in Las Vegas, Nevada, like. Uh-oh. We lost them. Womp, womp, womp. Pia, are you still there? No, they're both gone. Oh. We got Pia back. Yeah, sorry, I got I got disconnected. Yeah, it dropped. Is Cody still there? Nope. No. Oh, he's Wait, still talking he though. He... He's right here. <laughs> All right. I think we got. You guys it. hang it. No, it, it dropped. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, "We're done with you, Cody." Yeah. I, I you know, I thought that. I'm like. I'm like, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past anybody. <laughs> but, 
But yeah, so hey, I'm back, and yeah, Forrest and I got our start like a, you know, like over a decade ago when we met in Las Vegas, Forrest uh, coming from South Dakota, you know, he was doing some timeshare stuff in uh, in northern Nevada in Reno, and then he, he came down to Las Vegas where I grew up, uh, you know, to take a job in timeshare, and uh, we met at a little... Um, exotic reptile shop and an indoor swap meet called the snake shop and i was wearing a reptile gardens t-shirt and you know we sparked up some conversation because that that's where he grew up and knew terry phillip and uh you know became roommates and and decided to move to florida to to, to start the the reptile dream and i kind of moved forward to the the zoo field side of things and Forrest has always been into rodents and and um you know we we did that as uh you know friends for a while and he Got, was able to take an opportunity where he is at now, you know, and eventually started the uh, Cold Bloody Cafe, and you know, and, and that's very successful and has taken off for him. But you know, when we first when we first met, you know, chondros was the thing because we were looking at some chondros at the snake shop, and uh, there was a pair of Lara's, Lara's, whatever you wanted to say. I want I, I said Lara's for the longest time because Lara, after saying Lara for so long, it just felt weird but they, in, in, in hindsight they could have been some uh, uh, coffee animals that were just turned green and yeah. had that light powdery green because that's what we think they were but like the, the, the snake shop they got them from somebody who got them from Bushmaster raised them up from a, you know to adults and who knows what that person knew when they when they sold them to, to our friends at the, the snake shop there because they they were seasoned reptile people it wasn't just like a you know regular pet store thing where it's like oh you know more than they do like they actually were reptile folk and I bought this pair of chondros and uh they they started locking up as soon as i got them and we ended up getting like 17 eggs from them and uh i think we hatched out 15 despite like some uh, some uh, sabotage from our roommates reticulated python that got out <laughs> and uh, decided to tear like the garage was our our facility at the time and and we were sharing it with another roommate that was uh, a retake guy and uh, one of the retakes got out and uh, just like I walked in there after work and it looked like somebody broke in the, in the garage and just like didn't steal anything, but just destroyed everything, you know, and I turned around and there was like an 18 foot head albino retake draped across like a giant vision rack, you know, like, the, you know, like a 13 high CB70 rack Jeez. and you're like, oh, I got to deal with this right now by myself. Well, this snake ended up unplugging the, uh, the uh, incubator. And uh, the, the, the condor is still hatched, but I was like, you bastard, you know, and I had to wrestle this thing into a Christmas tree tub. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, but it, it good, you know, bad days make good stories. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we ended up hatching them and uh, they were all they were all yellow units and every single one of them was a runner. Every single you touch oh. them, they just freaking spaz out yep. and fly off the perch. And, and you're just like. And you just spend all your time just getting them tired, you know? You just let them do it a million times until they're, like, you know, like they're breathing with their mouth open. They're so tired. And then you start teeth feeding them. And finally, they grab it. They wrap it. They're exhausted. And they're like, I guess, like, will this get you to leave me alone? Like, I'll eat the damn pinky, you know? Yeah. And you just you just couldn't give up on them. And I literally started with, you know, like the first time success, right? I didn't do shit with green tree pythons. I bought a pair of adults, <laughs> you know? I yeah. put it together. 
I got eggs. I read uh, Greg Maxwell's book, which was tremendously helpful. You know, I know a lot of con- like the Condro snobs now will, will you know, because like we've all advanced in husbandry and, you know, like we built off a lot of stuff like Greg Maxwell and Trooper Walsh and all those guys did. And then we're like, oh, Greg Maxwell's book's not totally thorough or whatever. It's like, yeah, for the time, like when I was getting into Condros, I really enjoyed that book. It was a lot of good information that other like, did you write a book? You know, did you write the <laughs> yeah. book about Condros? Yeah. It's like with all with all your infinite wisdom, did you write the book? It's like no. So I was, I think I was able to do pretty good with Condros my first go around because of that book, and I was also on the MVF, you know, like the uh, be, before the MVF uh, Facebook page, there was you know MoreliaVirtus.youtube.com, which still exists. And as much as I love Condros and stuff, I am ashamed to say I haven't even been on that site for a long time because you know, the other facets of social media and stuff are a little bit easier. And, you know, I don't know, I guess I could go on there. I just haven't making excuses. It's, it's like the best, you know, if you want, if you want good information on Condros dating back to when like people started keeping Condros, that, that form is a tremendous resource and stuff. I enjoy going on there and, and reading some stuff every now and then I get bored at work. And so I'll hop on there and just dig through, you know, years and years and years and years and years of threads. Yeah, I mean, when I liked Condros and Condro people, I did too, you know? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when I looked up to all these guys and then I realized, you know, maybe maybe I shouldn't. No, I'm just kidding. But like, no, there's a lot. Of, there's I'm only halfway kidding. But, uh, no, I like, completely agree. I tell Jake that all the time. I was like, I hate Condro guys. Me As a Condro too. guy, I say Me I hate Condro too. guys because some of them just yeah. completely suck the fun out of it. Some of them just take it. Uh, it, it's, it I'm, I'm not even going to get started, but. Oh yeah, no, I know. Oh man. But yeah, my buddy, my buddy James, uh, like we're always uh, going, like, I'm talking about that stuff on the on the forums and stuff. Like, like we watch we watch the forums and all of that stuff, and like you, like all these new Condro experts that that come out of the woodwork and they're giving all this Condro advice, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't remember these guys, you know, like from back when, and they're like, it, it's all the same old redundant stuff, you know, like when they're like when they ask certain questions about it's like, that's all out there. You know, it's like the same stuff over and over again. You've got your, your, your real outspoken pe- people that like to, you know, immediately chime in the second there's a question yep, asked. Yep. It, yeah. I just, uh, you know, like a couple of these guys, like are great friends. Like I, you know, like there's a lot of really, really good ones. And you know, the, you, you'll meet those people and you'll know those people. And then, then there's all the other ones that you, yeah. you know, I think that's kind of how, like, a lot of the hobby rolls now is you got your kind of, like, your little inner circle and people you talk to on a regular basis, and then there's, like, everybody else. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, no, like, after that Condro clutch, man, Forrest and I really got, we got so into it and, um, you know, just started buying up all kinds of different, you know, we got to, we got to get Forrest on it. We got to get all of us on together, like Forrest, Desiree, Pia, and myself. And that, that'll be a really good radio show because mm. we've all been through a whole lot together. But, uh, you know, those, those Condros, man, like we've had all kinds of ridiculous life events because of Condros for us and I being business partners, wrapping up all of our money together and these things and having all the business arguments of, of who's going to breed what to what and all this stuff. And then we realized we were better as friends than business partners and all of this crap. And, and, uh, you know, Pia was, Pia was there the, the whole way through, um, 
know, with, with all of that stuff when, uh, you know, like it, it became a real thing when we went to the Arlington, uh, one of the Arlington shows and we were able to get a pair of rough scale pythons. And this is when P and I first started dating and I really wanted these rough scale pythons before us. And I was supposed to spend like a metric ton of money on, on a chondro. And I'm like, but I want these things. And then it turned into this big old, you know, fight where it was like, it wasn't even worth it. And we're just like, we just need to be friends and do our own thing and, and uh, support each other's interests and, and maybe do like, you know, just not do that. But uh mm-hmm. Yeah, like every, you know, but we've like we've seen it all with all you know the people coming through and all and and the changes of of like the the main stables and condros, you know, like it used to be like a select group of you know your quote unquote experts, and now it's new ones, and you know it's just when you when you like we've been through so much of it and just sat through it so silently, you know, like there's so many people that probably did the same thing where they got to see all the stuff transpire on the forums and all of that stuff. And you just, you just sit there and you read and you, you just file it away, you know, yeah. and uh, you're just like, okay, you don't get involved with it, but you've been keeping these things, you know, for the same amount of time as all these other people. And you've been learning the whole way through, but you're just not as vocal. Like the second you open your mouth on those public forums, you just open yourself up to, you know, the other side, regardless of whatever you say and how good it sounds, there's always, always going to be an armchair expert to challenge you on the other end. Like I remember Forrest went to Tinley and one of the snakes that like, we don't get up to Tinley as much as, as we like to, because every time we almost go to Tinley, there's a snake project or something that we end up getting. Instead. So like, we can't go to Tinley cause we spent all of our money on another pair of things. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, you know, Forrest is up there and somebody, like Forrest was showing him a picture of a snake that was actually owned by us. Uh, her name was Nico, and she was given to us by our, our really good friend Bobby Keller, who, uh, you know, eventually bought uh, Greg Maxwell's Green Tree Python, um, you know, business. And uh, like it went through Greg Maxwell, then was sold to Andrew Kelly, and then Andrew Kelly sold it to, to Bobby. And um, you know, Bob, Bobby went through some some stuff with animals dying, and you know, I, I know he's not gonna be upset about me saying that because we're we're still good friends, and I defend him about everything because people were telling, you know, they're like, oh, Bobby doesn't have good husbandry and, and all that stuff, and I'm like, no, nah, I mean, like, I'm a snake guy, and you know, I'm not just a condor guy, you know, I'm a snake guy, and Bob, what Bobby's doing, you know, is like he's 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 an astute keeper, he's taking care of these animals, and he just kept having random deaths. Like mm-hmm. he got this whole collection at once. And you know, I got to see Ala Diablo in person. Like I got to see all these like are you know, like iconic chondros. Pia was fortunate enough to, to come in like at the at the last end of that and got to see Bobby's collection. Then what would you say, Pia? Uh like Bobby Bobby like his husbandry was good, right? Yeah, no, I, I mean, everything looked really good, and the animals looked good, too. Sorry, I had to plug in. Oh, we're good. Uh, yeah. Did we lose Cody? No, I'm back again. My phone started doing the, the like, sporadic <clears throat> voices stuff, so I had to plug it, unplug it, and plug it back in. But, uh, but yeah, though, Bobby, like, he was, you know, so animals were dying, and he was getting necropsies done, and, like, different stuff was coming back, but no doubt not being tested for nidovirus because mm-hmm. that wasn't really something that you were looking for then and uh you know it's like 
you know, and then we, we got some animals from Bobby too. And, and the animals and, you know, eventually ended up dying over a certain period of time. And we had a necropsy too. And we had like, you know, pneumonia and one other ones didn't come back with anything. We weren't testing for nidovirus. And I, you know, I, I, I bet it probably was. And not saying like, you know, that's where it came from and stuff. It's like, this was something going on. And, the, and, and, and that collection was moved multiple times before it ended up at Bobby's. And I don't know, I don't know if Bobby had any condors in his collection at the time when that stuff came in, mm -hmm. you know, he may have, but it, it wasn't going to be many because I like, I met him like pretty close after he got all of that stuff and we hit it off right off the bat. He was in Orlando. I was working in St. Augustine, like, and we went over there and Bobby was so cool. Like, like I, you know, I didn't have, I was a zookeeper. I didn't have any, like I had condors for us and our, buying condros up and stuff but i don't have any money for you know like and this was at well th actually this was right before all the the buying spree of all the designer stuff and um you know i went over to you know bobby's place and we're drinking jaeger hanging out he's showing me all these awesome condros i can't even believe it like he's like just a super humble guy like uh and uh you know we're drinking jaeger and, and like he comes back and he's like, let's go back in the neonate room or, you know, the hatchling room. And he starts opening these drawers and he's like, pick one. And I'm like, oh, dude, I can't afford any of these things. He's like, no, seriously. He's like, I got just the snake for you. He, he picks out this yellow, the, this like yearling yellow animal that that was from the Tony Nikolai male, pretty infamous green tree python from Tony Nikolai's stock and uh, a female named flowers that was just like you know if you know greg maxwell's collection these were phenomenal animals and um it, this this animal was produced by andrew kelly but bobby had it because this all came from from you know he just recently had this stuff and, and he was like no just take it he's like i like i like clearly you love these things i you know so do i i want i want to get you started in the right direction like super cool guy like i just couldn't even believe it so like we raised this animal up and uh you know it, like it was sexed as a male not by bobby but was sexed as a male it turned out to be a female so we ended up naming her nico um because she uh was you know from the tony nikolai line and i was driving past a pizza place that's you know like in another town from us that was like it was called nico's pizza and i was just right after that happened i'm like that would be a cool name for that condor <laughs> since everybody everybody picks weird names for condros yeah. i you know i was like i'll call this one nico you know tony nikolai line whatever we had this snake you know, for years in the collection, and, you know, she eventually got nidovirus and succumbed to it. But, um, you know, she was, uh, you know, going back to the forums and all of that stuff, you know, where people just talk a bunch of shit. Forrest was showing, you know, this is when Forrest and I kind of had combined collections. So we were just, you know, everything was our stuff. So Forrest is showing somebody at Tinley the picture of this condor and he's like you don't even know you don't own that condor you guys don't have that condor like like it was such a gnarly condro that clearly we couldn't even have this condro it was so cool and uh you, you know and it's like no we actually like what do you think we're doing just pulling photos offline like just telling you we have this stuff and we don't like we, yeah, this is the snake that's in our collection and stuff so it's like those kind of people just make me shake my heads and there's a ton of them out there you know, I've, I've had multiple people that have told me they've had really rare palm vipers. 
and like string me along saying like all this stuff that you would say if you ha- actually had the snake in your possession mm-hmm. and then they actually didn't have this snake like and and or never had the snake but they were i don't know if they're just like pathological liars or whatever but just didn't have you know snakes that were so rare that i'm like how do I not know you? And like, how did you get these snakes? And like, where did they come from? And they, they talk a good game and they don't even have them. It's happened a couple of times on a pair of, or on a, a trio of uh, Guatemalan palm vipers, the mm-hmm. both rank is bicolor, which I, I, I know Justin, you're a fan of. Yes. They are awesome. They are phenomenal snakes. And like, I was talking to somebody, we just got a shipment of uh, stuff in from our friends from South Africa and, uh, Warren and Nicole Klein, they, they, uh, run Bushville reptiles. They were in South Africa, but now they're in, um, they're in Rhode Island. Uh, they just sold their, their, their farm there. And, um, uh, they got all they they sent all their non venomous stuff to Rhode Island. We got all their venomous stuff um, to to help them move since Rhode Island doesn't have the best laws with um, venomous stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the um, uh, I don't know what I was talking about again. I get off on these tangents. Pia, where were we going with this? You were talking about did... you and Forrest and Nico and oh. Tinley. Oh, Tinley, God, God, I just go off on these ridiculous rants, <laughs> huh? Like, High I think I need, a, like, I'm getting, I'm getting eaten by mosquitoes, and I need another beer. And, <laughs> but, uh, but, oh yeah, the bicolor, yeah. So this, like, Pia, like, like, I, this, we got this, we got this South African shipment. That, that's where this all ties in. Yeah. So we got the South African shipment from our friends, and we posted some of the stuff. And this guy wanted the the thing, you know, some of the animals and. And uh, then he asked me, he's like, can you get, like, do you have a, a like, an extra male bicolor? And I'm like, extra male bicolor? Uh, like, cause, like, you know, there are multiple things that share the name bicolor. Is mm-hmm. that a beer? Oh, Pia's bringing me a beer. Is this a fresh one? Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> That's service. I was going to go in the house, but then you guys would hear a bunch of uh, beeping and stuff from thermostats that hate us. But, uh, yeah, so, like, he goes, do you have an extra male bicolor? And I'm like, that's a weird thing to ask. Do you mean like Philobates bicolor? Right. Like, the, you know, or, or like, like there's other things that share that, mm-hmm. that, that species name. And he goes, Bothriacus. And I'm like, who the hell just has a, a male bicolor sitting around? Like, you know, that's a weird animal to ask about. And we didn't have any at the time. And I was like, uh, like do you ha- like do you have these snakes he's like yeah i, I have one 1.2 i need another male and i'm like i don't have a male but like what do i got to do to get that trio from you like i pretty much have done anything like i was like you just tell me what i have to do and like like those snakes mean the world to me so uh and he was like no way dude i'm not selling these things for anything blah 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 but you know, maybe you might be interested in a breeding loan. Like I send them to, like he went right to the breeding loan, which is really weird because we didn't even know each other. He's like, yeah. he's like, I haven't bred him yet. He goes, I'm not, he's not, I'm not afraid to admit my shortcomings. So the way that he talked is really, really weird, you know? Uh, but if you want, uh, I was like suspicious, but I was at the same time, you're like, that's a weird snake to even mention to begin with. Mm-hmm. So like the, maybe the guy's not totally full of shit. And he and I literally 
went and got like over a thousand dollars worth of zoom ad enclosures and lights and all this stuff to accommodate for these animals. Cause he's like, I'm going to send them to you. And then he goes, do you, he goes, do you like Montane rattlesnakes too? I've got Willard Eye, Willard Eye, you know, the Ridge Nose rattlesnakes yep, yep. and all this other, you know, stuff that he like, he was just going to send us. And I'm like, this is so bizarre. But like, at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, we're going to take care. Like if, if we get these things on a breeding loan, um, you know, we're going to definitely try to breed them because we get half of those babies. So like there's an incentive for us. And then also at the same time, I'm thinking once he sends these animals to us, he's going to forget that he even likes them. And then like when I want to offer him cash when he needs it, he'll be like, yeah, and I'll just be able to once they're already here. You know, I'm not going to screw anybody out of any money or anything like that. But like, you know, once he's detached from them, he probably won't mm-hmm. like him as much, you know, because if you don't take care of him any day, every day, you're going to be like, oh, whatever, you know. And uh, then he was like talking, he was like um, asking about shipment and stuff. And I was like, all right, send him out now before it gets hot. And then he just kept procrastinating, procrastinating. And eventually, like, he just like dropped. He started sending me like I was like send me pictures of these snakes. You say you have these snakes. Send me pictures of these snakes. We all have freaking iPhones and shit now. Like, you, there's no excuse, you know? And it's like, I see you post all these other stupid pictures on Facebook. Send me a stupid picture of this thing in a, you know, sitting on a six-pack wrapper and, you know, <laughs> in, some, in some tub. And, uh, you know, he sent me a picture of some red squamager he got but he's not sending me pictures of the creme de creme de la creme Guatemalan palm viper, you know? And I'm like, you don't even have these snakes, do you? And he's like, started freaking out on me, getting all defensive. Like, dude, you think I don't have these snakes? I'm like, no, send me a fucking <laughs> picture of these snakes, you know? And he started getting all, he, they, so he sends me a picture of an orifer, a Buthricus orifer, yellow blotched palm viper, for, for those who are listening that don't know what that is, and uh, Guatemalan palm viper, Buthricus bicolor. And I'm like, send me send me pictures, of because he had orifer too, he said. And uh, he sends me these pictures, and there's like the, like he took the screenshot with the Google bar still open. <laughs> like, I was like, you pulled these off of Google. You know, or, or like offline, he's like, "Oh no, funny, right?" And I'm like, "Like," he goes, "Oh, like, don't, like." He's like, "I thought it was funny. Don't take it so seriously, you know, or whatever." And I'm just like, and then when I said, "Like, you don't have these things," like he started threatening me, saying, "Like, if I ever show my face around any Texas reptile show, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna, you know, beat, you know, beat me up or whatever he was saying and stuff." And I'm like. And he's like, if you come around and you flap, he goes, you flap your gums talking that trash. Like, it was just the funniest thing. It's like, are you like, what is wrong with this person? You know, and it all started with like, do you have an extra male bicolor? And mm-hmm. then it turned into the, you know, like, and people are just like that. People are weird. This industry, you know, like there's a lot of awesome people here, but there's a lot of weird ones too. And, and I don't think it's, you know, people think cause like people are into reptiles, you know, you gotta be like, not all there, but like you've seen our place, like it's reptiles wall to wall and we're pretty normal, you know, like we don't do weird stuff with our reptiles. We don't baby talk them. We don't do, you know, like they're, you know, it's like, so I think like, it's just weird people that happen to be into the reptile scene. You know, mm-hmm. I think they're yeah, already yeah. weird. You know, I don't think they were like that before they arrived. Yeah. <laughs> 
totally. Because you guys, I mean, like, I mean, I don't know you guys that well. I assume you're pretty normal. You sound pretty normal. And uh, I like and to Jake, think so. I'm pretty, like you're pretty normal. I'm too, pretty man. good at, <laughs> at hiding it. You can ask Jake. Yeah, I do Justin. some weirdness when, <laughs> when we're not around. Yeah, it's like, but yeah, so. You know, it's like, yeah, they're they're probably messed up to start with. And you just have to, you know, just like all these viruses, you have to um, you have to identify them early and just move on, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, you know, just handle them how you're going to and just move on. But but yeah, so. So, yeah, there's, uh, you know, going on a tangent from bilineata to T-speeding, those stupid things to chondros and and everything else. Well, I was bummed that you guys didn't have any Aetherus when I was there. Because that's like we're one bummed. of my all-time favorite genus of, uh, of of venomous. We're bummed, too. We're bummed, too, because we really like Aetherus, too. Like, you know, we had some pretty nice squamagers that we got, but we we um, we we surplus those to people that wanted them. It, and uh, because like, they were really nice, but, you know, we're like, well, we can, we can get them again. Kind of I think the Nishii and, are some of like the coolest snakes on the planet, and no Nichi one has are, them. Nishii are phenomenal, and they used to they used to be around, and now they're not. And they're also another cold weather thing that's awesome. And they they look they look like Bothriacus nigriviridis. Yeah, you know, they do. They, they look a lot like them. Yep, yeah, they're like the African version mm-hmm. of them, you know, and. Uh, yeah, so like you don't really see a lot of that stuff anymore. Nobody's really, to my knowledge, people breed squamager, but nobody or squamagera now. Sorry, you know squamagera. That's what we call them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody really is doing a lot of the other Atheris stuff. You well, know, I'm you in don't... the Atheris group on Facebook, and there's all these European guys with their Nishia, and I'm just like, oh man. One guy European posted one guys. the other day that was like almost entirely black. Like that thing had next to no green on it, and it was an older animal. And that thing looks so cool. They are awesome, man. They like they, they come in so many different phenotypes. You got like the patternless niche mm-hmm. eye, you know, all the way up to that almost melanistic one. I saw a picture of uh, of a uh, Bothriacus lateralis on the Bothriacus page on Facebook that is almost entirely melanistic and you're just like, Whoa, that's different. Um, but we, yeah, like we had Ceratophora for a few years mm-hmm. and, uh, we moved a bunch during that time. And, and they're another montane species that we definitely did not keep how they should, you know, they, they, they ate and they lived, but I, they weren't, you know, I don't think they were thriving because they, they're both dead now. So like, yeah. uh, but they did good. They did good for us while they were still alive and they were like, they seemed like any other, you know, they didn't seem particularly hard to care for anything like that, but we did move a whole lot. And there was, you know, like there was just a lot of stuff that, you know, we don't know how old these snakes were when we got them and, and all this stuff, but like bummed out about that. But, you know, moving forward towards the future, like I would love to be able to, bring in some etheris of all the different types and actually be able to, to do something with them and mm-hmm. have actually like a, a collection plan, not just be like, Oh, like I, yeah, you know, like just, hunt, we've hunt, got a few it, sitting around doing the, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Like you're, um, you strategically bring them into the collection for what you, you know, breeding them or, mm-hmm. or preserving them and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's like, uh, 
yeah, you just don't, you know, you just don't see them. And then there's, there's a few species of etheris that you just don't, you just, other than um, Squamagera, you're not really seeing yeah, any of that broadly stuff. Broadly eye and the Hispida and Hirsuta obviously are really, no one's, I don't think anybody's keeping the Hirsuta, right? No, not that I'm aware of. I don't know anybody in the country that has Hispida other than the, you know, some Europeans and stuff. Like I got Hispida back in the day mm-hmm. and um, they did pretty well for a while. Um, I was feeding them, uh, you know, the aquatic snails you would get at PetSmart and I would just, you know, do shell the snails mm-hmm. and, um, and, they weren't taking them readily off of forceps. I'd have to pop them in, pop them in their mouth. And then the second you'd pop them in their mouth, they would just woof them down. So it was just like, it was assist feeding, but like it was, they, once it was in their mouth, they were not hesitant. They woofed them down. It was awesome. Like they were, you know, I think, I think if you got some, you know, that were either captive bred or, you know, ones that were freshly collected and that didn't spend too much downtime mm-hmm. in, in, in importers areas and stuff, you might have a, you know, cause you got the zoo med can snails now and all these different food items that I, you know, cause like, there's like the, the thought is that these animals eat a lot of slugs and snails and shit in the wild, yep. probably a lot of frogs and stuff too, I would think. Um, but uh, they they clear when you put a snail in their mouth, the way that they ate it was very, like much like that's exactly what they do. Like they mm-hmm. ate it like that was like that was designed their job. for it. Yeah, yeah, and cool, cool, laid back snakes. You know, like no anti venom for them, so that's a drawback. But you know, not not a not a super hard snake to get bit by, or, or not not get bit by as long as you're not like sticking your fingers in their mouth. You know, mm-hmm. like they're venomous. But they're not very dangerous, you know. It's like in the hands of a, a you know, a person, a level-headed person that has experience with, the, you know, these things. They're not a, you know, a mamba or anything like that. Yeah, but, and uh, that's kind of where my issue, and I've been pretty vocal about this in the past, but my issue with Ethereus and squams in general is, like, squams are really popular right now for a lot of people that have never kept Venice before, but that's, like, the first thing they get for some reason. That just drives me bananas. Oh, keeping keeping a squam for their first. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just like, I mean, it just depends on you know. Again, like you hear a lot of people say, like it's who you start off with and stuff, you know. And it's like it just uh, depends if there's somebody that's like coaching you the whole way through it, or you know, if that's just like your. It's like oh, you know, people say that about eyelash vipers and all this stuff too. And I, I think the thing that makes the most sense on a lot of this stuff is anything that's found in your area that anti-venom is readily available for, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, it's like in the U S I mean, if you want to get into venomous, you know, it's like, well, at least if you start with any of the North American stuff, if you get popped, you know, you, you've got you at least have a better you know? chance of, of coming out of the other side of it with minimal, you know, lasting damage aside from your bank account. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like even, even still, you know, like I, I got, I got, um, popped by a, a speckled rattlesnake in 2009 uh which you know, i really want some of those those are if i i mean i i doubt i'll get more venomous anytime soon it'll be whenever me and jake get a separate setup and building and stuff for whenever that'll be but those are pretty close to the top of the list i, I keep seeing pictures of those and man those things are so freaking gorgeous and i have a you know i right now i just have the western diamondback and the copperhead um but that Western Diamondbacks give me a, a much bigger appreciation for for rattlesnakes. 
Oh, I tell you what, man, the, the Western Diamondbacks, that's the best That's the best starter venomous right there because that's going to teach you a lot of lessons. <laughs> yeah. It taught, it taught me a real good lesson, <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> God. Mine has taught yeah. me a lot of things. Like, oh, hey, we're uh, big enough to come out of the bucket now. Like, before yeah. when I got her, she was small. Now she's getting she's getting bigger. I put her in the bucket. She can now work her way out of the bucket. And I I, I planned for that. Like, I, I knew she was getting to be close to that size. But, I, like, I learned a lot just in the first, you know, couple of weeks of keeping her. Like, <laughs> open the cage to feed her. Let her do her thing. Let her spaz out. Let her do circles. And then she'll chill out and curl up in a corner again. And then do whatever I need to do you know feeding wise and it just they're compared to the copperheads you know they're they're really uh temperamental is probably the best word for I, it i think uh, i think copperheads and western diamondbacks are great snakes to start off with and everybody that's gonna really like take everything i say to heart you know because you got all those people like don't take it so seriously but i'm i'm really but like being truthful on this, like copperheads, a lot of the copperheads I've worked don't really like to sit on hooks nope. very well. Like they lie right off. They do the, yep. they smell they like the feet. Plank. They smell horrible. They're horrible smelling. They're beautiful Dude. animals. I love, I love seeing them in leaf litter. I love the natural look of a copperhead when you have to work with them, you know, and you hook them and the, the musk and all that. And they do, they go into plank mode where they teeter totter on the hook and they, you know, I just want to slide out They're They're great snakes because, you know, if you're starting with venomous stuff, because the toxicity is not tremendously high in, in relation to some of these other vipers mm-hmm. and, and things. Um, but, uh, you know, it's still going to pack a wall up. You could still lose a finger. You could still lose a hand. You could still die from a copperhead bite. You know, it's not as likely, but it's it's, it's certainly possible. And uh, and they give you good venomous exposure. And they're a beautiful snake. They smell horrible, but they're a beautiful snake. <laughs> they and do. they, 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 they don't smell horrible as long as you're not pestering them. You know, like... I opened the door to mine and no, the whole dude, that room was... smells like I, I was I was at the house one day and he's like, dude, come in here. Like, you guys really smell this. this. And I've worked with a lot of <laughs> copperheads before, but for some reason, like, you know, and this is, you know, out- outdoors, you know, in-, in the field, you know, I've hooked them and stuff, but I've never had one musk. So I, I never, even, like, I had never smelt it. I don't and then even you have told to touch me to it. walk in that room, dude. I, I almost, I was almost gagging, man. I like had to sleep that with was, it all night. that was really, really <laughs> bad. And I've been sprayed by Nerodia yeah. and Amazon all that, Trebos all are that pretty shit. close as far as like, in my opinion, the worst, worst musks because it smells like burnt plastic. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of muskers, and there's a lot of them. I got musked in the face by an eastern diamondback tailing it one time. It's like a skunk. Uh, This is the first – Pia was there for that. She's actually – she's got a really good photo of me that will never surface online. It was in our kitchen, too. Yeah, that was where we were quarantining those things because they were wild um, collected when I was at the alligator farm. Mm-hmm. We got uh, snake calls and I removed them. And we're like, we were just housing them. We were going to take them to Carl Barden, who's our friend and the director of uh, Medtox and Venom Laboratories and the Reptile Discovery Center in Deland, Florida. So there's a shameless plug for Carl. Um, and he's awesome and deserves the sh- shameless plug. Um, and... Uh, but like these, you know, he's got like, God, he's probably got like 250, 300 Eastern diamondbacks on the venom line, you know, all, all related to the crow fab stuff. So like any, any, um, snake call, you know, Eastern diamondbacks and, and stuff like that, 
Coral snakes are another one that Carl's working with. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they have a, the coral snake anti-venom running up again, and Carl's a significant part of that uh, with his collection. So that kind of stuff, if, you know, if we find, like, we've seen corals on our property, we just leave them there because, like, we're snake-friendly people, so they could just live here, you know, in, in peace. But if we end up, you know, if somebody has one in their yard or something and we catch it and they don't want it re-released, you know, then it's going to go to good by going to Carl's. So the Eastern Diamondbacks were the the that and they were like four feet plus big robust wild like not a fan of you eastern diamondbacks Mm -hmm. and um you know had them in some like 300 year old uh neodasha cages in in the in the kitchen and um you know i'm just cleaning them or whatever and, or like, I, like I was pulling the snake out and I think maybe Pio was cleaning the cage really quick. And then me just stuffing the thing back in there until we get, cause I was like, maybe we'll keep them if they eat and they're good, you know? Cause we got a little one that was like immediately started on rodents mm-hmm. and it was like, uh, you know, like a, maybe a yearling. And I was like, ah, this one came from Anastasia Island. It's like a insular population of, you know, a little Island yep. population, of Eastern diamond, kind of cool. So you're like, uh, it's eating it's small we'll keep it and that one's actually at the bronx zoo right now because we uh we sent a, a a cape coral cobra cape coral snake to the bronx zoo and um kevin torgosa is the reptile collections manager he used to be my um, boss at the san augustine alligator farm he was the curator there um you know he like when he they wanted some coral cobras and he was like hey i know this is a stretch but you you think you can find the eastern diamond bed? like we have an ancient exhibit animal and uh you know if you come across one you know just we we we, we would we would like another eastern so i was like i've got this one that's uh you know phenomenal but you know like we're not giving it like bronx zoo style like accommodation so i just sent that one up there with them but like we raised that from a neonate but the the big ones that were in the kitchen you know i'm I'm tailing this thing and uh like accurately i see this like 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 brown stream of liquid just (laughs) go straight into my face Mm. and i didn't like i had i did not know they could do that i didn't i've never like because i've worked with eastern diamondbacks before but clearly i've never worked with the wild ones (laughs) like that you know like this is a thing that they do and i was like i like it was horrible it was like 10 it was like 10 times nerodia it was it was very it was so pungent I could and I, like so I, and also like the picture this is a really great visual image of me wearing like some sort of like genie style pants like a like pajama bottom pants like very, <laughs> parachute very pants hammer pants hammer time <laughs> yeah oh yeah definitely hammer time pants with no shirt on no no shirt wearing crocs you know Hell just yeah. right like in, yeah just wrangling this eastern diamond bag just just trying to give it clean accommodations with some fresh water. You know, it's like, I just, I like, I don't want to be working. Like, I don't want to be working the snake as bad as it doesn't want to be working. I'm like, I, we just both wanted to get through this. And, uh, it was like, I w- it was just like a reckoning. I was like, I can't believe these snakes can do this. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty, but, uh, but these, yeah, no, like Western diamondbacks, those, those snakes are, like it's like they're awesome you know like one it's like the most one of the most iconic venomous species out there you know like still to this date yeah i love agree western with that. diamondbacks 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean, when you think when you think venomous species, you know, you think maybe king cobra, black mamba, western diamondback, eastern diamondback. People, herpers know what those are, but like, mm-hmm. you know, you think of the southwestern rattlesnake that's sitting in front of a, you know, a dead like, you know, like a bull skull or whatever, you know, and it's it's the western guy. It's like that Texas symbol, you know, yeah. minus the like the horrible rattlesnake roundup people that, you know, we don't need to get into that stuff, yeah. but uh like uh you know, they're awesome snakes and they're dangerous, like right? They're like they're very like, and I'm not trying to say like to build them up, but they are extremely defensive and extremely bite capable, mm-hmm. and yes, they're, they're they hyper defense. They're hyper defensive. Like they're they're like I think that when I say that they're a great starter venomous snake, I mean like they're gonna give you that. Exposure, they're gonna teach right? you some stuff about yourself. Yeah, it was. It, <laughs> you're, you're, you're gonna lo- you're gonna learn, you know, because yeah. like there's a lot of there's a lot of these vipers. You're not gonna learn a lot from. Mm-hmm. Like they're gonna like like because when I train people and work with people. People and I'm doing this stuff like people always say like like he'll make it look so easy because you know I work with him every single day so I'm like you know it's just like I'm I'm used to it it's mm-hmm. just that 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 that's how these you know individuals work and stuff so people when I'm training them and I'm like no mambas I'm, I'm serious they're really dangerous and they like the thing goes into the trash can without like a problem and it's like <laughs> n- nothing dramatic and it's not like you know it's 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 fine and people get lured into this false sense of security is like, that's how it is. And right. it's like, and, and until you have one of these animals, like spaz yep, out, yep. freak out and do all like bite everything, bite themselves, bite the wall, bite, you know, the trash can, like all the, you know, the holding can that, you know, for people who are listening that it's like, you just stuff snakes or venomous snakes and trash cans. <laughs> like, you know, some of the things that you say as a reptile yeah. person, it's like the normal people, it's like brute, brute, what like that makes the trash cans root trash cans will never know the significance <laughs> they play yeah. with people who keep venomous reptiles right. like and but but like man growing up in the southwest you know and and working western diamondbacks man that is a snake that will never let you get comfortable because they will nail you like mm-hmm. Jacob, no. it's, it's, mind yeah it's, mind man it, she's she's hell on wheels it, when she wants to be there it, it was so cool uh going from because i the my first experience with uh rattlesnakes were uh, cane breaks and um mm-hmm. and i worked with those in the field quite a bit and they were always i think it probably pretty chill like they're kind um, of like there was they don't a, there was really anything until you really mess there with them. was like you really there got a pest room to get them there to do was anything. one that actually came at me the, uh, every other one i messed with didn't even rattle yeah. no strikes no nothing there was only one big one big individual mm-hmm. probably the biggest individual i found in the field um and they gave me quite a run for my money but but the majority of them were fine but when i went out to texas and i went out and uh, found the western diamondbacks you know the week i i got bit um the it was crazy how how different they were in attitude because you know the first one i found was this just this massive um adult and i saw it from maybe 50 yards away so i i ran over there and when i got you know probably 10 15 yards away it immediately turned around and Mm -hmm. was up striking ready you know buzzing like crazy you know but the the cane breaks i could walk right up on them stand five feet away and crouch yeah, down like and they're fine. they just freeze they don't yeah atrox you know, are like, they don't 
Let's go. No way. Hey, trucks are ready to dance. They were man. you know locked and loaded, man. <laughs> it was crazy. And that was with everyone I found. I found several uh westerns, you know, during that week. Um and one found me. Um but uh the one, the white whale. Yeah. The one I couldn't get a picture of, unfortunately. I mean we got but, a picture of it, it was just post departure. No. I'm like well we saw what it what it left you. We the saw gift the leftovers. <laughs> Yeah, the but, souvenir uh, you got from your interaction with one another yeah, is yeah, what we got pictures of. Yeah, still, still got the souvenir. But uh, yeah, they're they're so cool, man. I, I really like I like Eastern and Western Diamondbacks a lot. I did a I did a little bit of work with Eastern Diamondbacks. Um, I did a, some tracking um, out on, out my way with a local herpeto- herpetologist that used to live here. Um, but yeah. You know, and, 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 like, not not that I'm, like, advocating getting bit is a good thing or whatever, but, like, you know, after my speckled bite, and I, I'm sure after your Aatrox bite, like, you can attest to that you, you can't even, like, you respect these things before that happens and you know not to, you know, stick your fingers in their mouth and, and what have you. But, like, when it actually happens and you go through that... <laughs> You you can fully respect them. Like you yeah. can't like you could you could preach all this stuff and the people that have never been bit, that's great. And you know, but it's like like people that say it's not a matter of if but when, but it is a matter of if. And if you do certain things and you police yourself and you 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 keep up on it, you don't get too comfortable with your experience on mm-hmm. things. Yeah, you you may go the whole time and you may never get bit, but I'll tell you if you do. I appreciate, like, cause I, it was a speckled rattlesnake. And some people are like, oh, I can't believe a speckled rattlesnake did so much damage. Those things are hot. Like, Those things are they're hot. They're super hot. And, you know, it's like, it was, it was 35 vials of crow fab and, and a, a week in ICU. Holy shit. And, and, and you know what? Like, and I, lo- and I still like to this day, I love speckled rattlesnakes. Yeah. I always say it like, I couldn't have asked for a prettier snake to bite me yeah. because <laughs> it was like, the, like how I got bit was totally my fault. And, um, you know, it, it boiled down to too, you know, too much experience. And, and I, I don't even want to say complacency is, you know, I get complacency plus comfort, plus knowing the animal's behaviors and this particular animal, you just, you know, you cut that corner, you think you've done a million times and it's, you know, it'll be like it was before and nothing's going to happen and and then sometimes it does and you're like and then when you're laying there looking at that iv bag that says crow fab with your name on it and you're like i can't believe that snake is doing this to my body right now yeah. and you can feel it you can feel that pain oh my god and, man. Uh, like i mean and if you love these animals you're just like the whole time i'm just like man i really like if I didn't respect these things enough before, man, I sure respect them now. Thank God that wasn't a Russell's viper that popped Yeah, yeah it was. You know? you know, what after I got bit, it what I didn't. It didn't change. It didn't only change my view of venomous. It changed my view of keeping in general. It gave me a lot more respect for all species. You know, not not just the the venomous ones. It was. Uh, yeah, when you go through that pain, you know you can describe it all you want, but you you're you can only never... in control up to a certain point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for, Forrest was there. Forrest was there the, the whole time from the the point of when we found these snakes to the point where the bite took place later on at our uh, at our home. You know, like where we were living, it was legal for us to collect these animals, and we had them, and we were, you know. Like we were unpacking him and stuff and, 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 and looking at him. And so he was there when the bite happened and it was a, it was a pretty ridiculous story that ensued. But, 
you know, it's like, I remember like for it, like he was always, he was there until like hospital people kicked him out and he couldn't, couldn't be there anymore. And, uh, you know, like I remember the look in his face where he was like, like you could tell it was like whatever he was looking at didn't look good. You know, my arm was black and blue. <laughs> uh, when he's all pale my... and sweating yeah. and looking at you. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just like, Oh my God. You know, like it was, it was, uh, and, and just like the painkillers that they were giving me just oh were God. not worried. Like they, it was intravenous. Nothing works. Yeah. Nothing Jacob, works. Jacob had that same experience. It, dude, nothing takes that away, man. Nothing. They, they, there was no. They couldn't give me enough. The lady asked me. I remember they pumped me full of all kinds of morphine. We give you more, we'll kill and you. she was like, uh, "So wh- where's your pain at? Where's your pain at right now?" And I'm like, "Fuck! Like I, I don't like saying ten, but I mean, like I, ten, yeah. Like I, I can't feel anything. Everything just is just." Yeah, yeah, everything. Everything. My body feels like it's on fire right now. I don't know what to tell you. She's like, "All right, well, we're gonna give you this, 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 and that." I'm like, "What the hell is that?" She's like, "It's morphine's older brother," and I'm like, "Okay." And then I started to puke, and yeah, it was uh, like old timey Coca Cola with the cocaine. Dude, in it. I don't know, man. She's like, "This is this is morph this is morphine's older brother." And we're gonna. It might make you feel kind of funny, and I was like, "Okay," and yeah, it, it made me feel real bad. Was no, I was uh, s- same thing. I don't I don't know if it was morphine that they were giving me or one of the other new painkillers, but it was it was through IV. And I remember, like, if I wasn't dying of a rattlesnake bite, man, that would have been a killer buzz because I was like, <laughs> this is pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. But but it didn't do anything for the pain, no. but it did give me a good buzz. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, my arm is still throbbing, but this is, I, I like this. Can I have more of this? And they're like, no, we can only give it in this certain amount of time frame. I'm like, well, damn it. It's not doing anything for the pain, but like, yeah. it was like, it was like a couple minutes of like, oh, this is really, really, really nice. And probably why it's illegal <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. outside, outside of a hospital, yeah. you know? And, um, yeah, no, and and I remember like right after I got out of the hospital, like I knew any better, you know, Forrest and I are right back out there looking for speckled rattlesnakes, and I'm trying to get one that we just found in a tube while the my arm is all wrapped up like I just broke my arm because like I don't, you know, whatever, and I'm just like we're right back out there doing it again. It's like you know, it's like yep, yeah, that was my mistake, but still love these animals and and yeah. and want to be out there interacting with them. But you know, like yeah, north, you know, good starter venomous snakes. They're like me, you know, maybe whatever is in your area like you know maybe don't start with the western diamond back right like that's like, like that's a pretty like as far as a native state snake mm-hmm. in the u.s is a very dangerous snake and in some areas they, they are illegal like you know because it's a native to the u.s doesn't mean it's legal and yeah. you know it might be not native to some other state that they're not found in so it's like don't you know like you know just start responsibly you know it doesn't really matter what you start with but if you're like if you're doing it legally and you you have the right knowledge and stuff and the people that aren't supposed to have this stuff they're gonna have it anyway and they're gonna you know continue to make everybody look bad you know like with us and all of our permits and stuff it's like the second that there's a rule change it affects us it doesn't affect the people that were never following the rules to begin with you know it's like okay now yellow anacondas are illegal in florida entirely it's Mm -hmm. like what we we don't even keep them, and I'm like, now I, you know, I'm like, are so you are brown tree like, snakes, which I thought was hilarious that they put those on the list because who in the states keeps freaking irregularis? Yeah, no I mean, one. Like, and, they're, 
and and they're like you know and it's and, and they're they're prohibited in a lot of other states because of you know what what happened on guam speaking mm-hmm. of the brown tree snake pia here's your chance to come in here what are you where where are you going this week for two weeks um on saturday i'm going to guam and saipan hey bring me back some, bring me back some stuff i'm going to florida yeah. tomorrow you want a, green, a brown cheesesteak <laughs> i do actually i no, really I, like irregularis I, I think they're really cool i'd kill no. for some especially the australian I mean, unfortunately, ones unfortunately i cannot bring any back yeah I, make obviously. make sure you have that disclaimer out there before we have US <laughs> fish and wildlife kick down our door yeah. <laughs> yeah. like like oh yeah you know it's like it's crazy <laughs> You know, like, and, and here's the thing with the Guam stuff, and I don't mean to put Disney on the spot and all this stuff because oh, they're doing, re- they're doing a lot of great stuff. What do you like before I before I talk? Because everybody wants their pee. You're sitting there. I'm talking. I'm rambling. What are you doing out there? What are these birds and what are these brown tree snakes fucking up? Because people exist. Because it's really there? our fault. Well, no. So, so I'm going to Guam and Saipan, um, courtesy of Disney, because that's where I work is my day job. Um, but we're doing health assessments on the Guam, uh, Guam rails, uh, Micronesian kingfishers, as well as two other species on the island of Saipan, which is the golden white eyes and the rufous fantails. Um, and basically what we're doing is we're, uh, because of the Guam, or because of the brown tree snakes on Guam um, and all the kind of the decimation they've done with the species there, we're, we're trying to make sure that there's other islands that have populations of these birds. So mm-hmm. we are repopulating some of the other islands with uh, some of these birds. So, so that's what I'm doing. Well, so I'll be there for two weeks for the next, yeah, I'm leaving on Saturday and then I'll, I'll be back on middle of May. So, so yeah, playing with little birds, well, little cool. tiny birds and Guam rails and all sorts of stuff. So we almost so, yeah. moved there when I was a kid because my dad was Navy. We almost got stationed in Guam. I was really excited about it too. I was oh, pumped, yeah. man. I was like, yeah. And then we ended up going to like Connecticut or something. Yeah, I was, Guam is pretty much like Florida. I feel like mm-hmm. hot, humid, lots of invasive species. So yeah. Hmm. Actually, well, we have a lot. We have a lot of great invasive species here. Like I just recently found out we have like six species of chameleon that live here. <laughs> you oh, know, I'm like, where? What? Why don't we go down to South Florida more often? It's like we could herp all over the world without yeah. only driving. Why buy anything? Away. You can find tokes, uh, chameleons, tegus, Burmese pythons, I think Nile monitors in some spots. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. There's a lot of different stuff. I just figured like, hey, the whole world used to be connected, so let's just pretend Florida's that that spot, you know. And uh, well, I have people at but, work ask me about the Burmese python thing all the time, and I tell them I'm like, there's a lot of problems Florida has those are just a chunk of it but i was like it just happens to be that florida is pretty much the ideal climate for anything that lives anything. in a subtropical or tropical part of the world i've even heard of somebody somebody said something about even anacondas a few being I around there, i think people just like, make up stuff at a certain point they're like about? list an exotic species yeah that's I've, in the glades i've heard i've, I've heard king cobras i've heard anacondas nile crocs uh, nile i found crocs. i think i found a few of those Jesus. at one point it, i don't know dude i believe it at this yeah. point i'm like they found this oh cool where was it at florida let me guess yeah yeah the glades surprised. perfect <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's, it sucks. And it like, I feel like it's crazy that we're like, not that I want more regulation because I don't, but because we already have enough of it as it is. But I think like, man, Florida's pretty fair. Like we have like the worst invasive species 
uh, problem. And we still have a really regulated good permitting system where it's like, hey, if you if you could exhibit that you have good caging and husbandry and, and, and uh, you can abide by all these things, like you could still have them here. You know, we can have crocodilians. We can have all these crazy, you know, mammals. And like we don't like Pia gets her mammal fix at work. I don't you know, we don't do that here. But yeah. like you can have them here. Like if we wanted to do freaking tigers and you wanted to go apprentice under somebody with tigers, you would it would be more, you know, like it would be more in depth than just going and getting, oh. them, you know, do they have and, that and, and, system for big cats like that down there like they do with venomous? Oh yeah, it's like yeah. I, like I'm not totally familiar on the mammal oh, okay. stuff, but I, I I think you're talking, you know, like at least a thousand, like right, right, uh, like yeah. yeah, thousand hours of experience under somebody who has the permit, has the animals, and and uh, you know all that stuff, and like where other states, um, you know, you may be have a lot more lenient um, permit system or one that's like non-existent as far as you could just have them and 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 do whatever caging you want, then they get out. And South then that Carolina. State, yeah, and then that state bans them. <laughs> you know, where where in Florida, you know, we we have had incidences here, right? Like not us, but mm-hmm. in Florida, you know, you you know, there's been cobra escapes and stuff. But it happens sometimes, and like it doesn't happen all. It, like surely doesn't happen as much as people like drinking and driving, killing each yeah. other, and that all this other all these other things. Like humans are way worse than all this crap. Like so sometimes it happens. Nobody's to my knowledge has ever been killed or injured by somebody else's escaped venomous snake. Um, and, and, and whatever, but like, if you, like you can, um, show fish and wildlife that you do these things, they will issue the permit. We have three inspections a year here because we have our class one and two crocodilians license. Um, and we have our venomous, uh, license as well. So, uh, the venomous is once a year, uh, inspection. Sometimes you see our inspector more like we, we have a good relationship with them. I call like right before carpet fest, I called him because our, our venomous permit was for, um, us keeping the animals and breeding them and, and all that stuff, but not for exhibit. That's right. a different add on because we have to have a different, like uh, added on insurance policy um, to be able to exhibit them to the public just in case something were to happen to somebody in the public. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, well, we're kind of private. We're not like a full on zoo. So do we need this stuff? And he's like, well, are there going to be people that, that are there that you don't know? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so like, they're like, he's like, yeah, you need that. And I'm like, okay, sweet. So we got the insurance policy to do that and exhibit venomous reptiles. And now like we're like, we uh, fulfill all the requirements that a zoo would. We have all the permits. We could exhibit animals and do all of that stuff. And uh, which is phenomenal that like we have a relationship with our officers. It makes them a lot harder to pass bans when, um, uh, you know, something goes wrong because there are so many right. permit holders in Florida. The, the yellow anaconda thing is kind of was kind of like a jab, you know, like not necessarily from like our guy, you know, who's just, you know, he's basically an employee of Fish and Wildlife and doing his job. There are other rule makers and stuff, but I think they want, what, what I think probably is going on is they wanted to add a new category, which is complete prohibited wildlife. And they threw on yellow anacondas because they were not a, you know, not a super commonly kept animal, right? Not as, maybe not as sexy as the green anaconda mm-hmm. or something where there's a bunch of people that are going to fight that like kind of like a blindside thing. Now, Phil Goss, who's a friend of ours, the president, uh, president of USR people who don't know who Phil Goss is, he's doing an awesome job. Um, he, you know, he posted that this was coming like a year ago. 
and not like nobody jumped on the bandwagon to help fight it. So when it came down to the hearing, not enough people showed up and they boom, they got them in that category of prohibited. And now they might be able to add more animals to that. So mm-hmm. maybe they shift over green anaconda and all that stuff. So they're, they're fighting that right now. And we're talking about doing a lot of different stuff here in Florida where we have like a, basically a group of people who are paying attention to these laws and potential bans and are talking to the, you know, the politicians here and stuff and making sure this doesn't happen for, you know, responsible people and stuff. So where, you know, because anybody that's doing this right, is, is doing it right. And then like when they make these bands, then these the people that are really doing a good job and then also preserving these animals in captivity, because this world's going to shit. Right. So like we need to <laughs> do, do as much as we can. Zeus, I was just at the tag meetings in, in um, Tennessee, which is the tax uh, tax on advisory group meetings um, for all the zoo people and stuff. And, you know, like the zoos are like, you know, which is no surprise. We don't have room to do all of this stuff Mm -hmm. you know like there's not we can't save all these animals and you know like zoos like rightfully so don't want to deal with a lot of private sector people because not all not all of them are on the up and up right like there are a couple couple of them that are are that are and the zoos will work with those select people but they have to like prove that they're you know zoological quality people to be working with like liability or public you know pr nightmare Right. You know, and there's a lot of stuff that like, you know, private individuals really could help zoos out a whole lot. But a lot of zoos are very skeptical about dealing mm-hmm. with people because of all, you know, all the problems and stuff. And then they and they know that there are good people amongst that group. But, you know, it's like yellow anacondas. OK, so if they get banned here, there and wherever, you know, other states don't don't outlaw the band of them. But, you know, it's like kind of a stupid snake to outlaw. Like, I just don't feel like they're going to like they weren't going to do anything like that anything more than a, a green anaconda that's almost fully aquatic as an adult and gets enormous right like not like again like yeah. i'm not trying to ask for them to put them on the prohibited list it was just kind of random it, yeah it's a random thing the, i thought the irregularis able... was pretty random because i was like no one has those no why would nobody you put that on the list them. when no one keeps them nobody keeps them and they're, and but they're high profile because they're a guam you know like what happened on guam yeah. and you know and our friend uh, um uh, a good friend of ours, Kevin Don Moyer, who I was able to um, work with when I was at St. Augustine Alligator Farm. He was an intern for a little bit and we became really good friends and still are. Well, um, while I was at the alligator farm, while he was um, an intern there, he took an internship on Guam doing stuff with the brown tree snake. Well, he eventually worked into a position of at U.S. Fish and Wildlife where now he's a, like on, you know, where is he, Pia? Uh, what island is he on Guam or is he on Saipan? No, he's on he's on Saipan. Okay, yeah. So Pia, like, you know, taxi when she's there, or like, well, I guess we found out before. But Kevin's still there, and he's like in charge of fish and wild, like he's the U.S. Fish and Wildlife guy there. And Kevin just came here not too long ago, got to stay in the Venom Suite, you know, where you guys were, where the little Morlets crocodiles were. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. where like. You know, people that crash here. This is where you get. There's a, a big enough open space where you can like, but you know, put a mattress there or whatever. So, um, but um, he came out and we were talking about irregularis, and he was like, "We we've kept them there. We don't really know much about their breeding or anything. Like in captivity, they're not really breeding them. Like these things are so prolific 
in, yeah. in like in, in, in a non native uh, habitat, but like you put them into an enclosure and stuff and they, they act like a picky ass boiga, <laughs> you know, that like doesn't <laughs> want to do anything. And you're like, well, you're the, you're the brown tree snake that eats like kibble out of the dog food bowl. Like, how are you not like thriving and breeding? And, uh, so they were talking that he was like, yeah, maybe you could get, you guys could pull permits to be able to get some of these things and like breed them and learn about them. And I'm like, I, you know, I feel like I don't, I feel like there's not a lot to learn. You know, I feel like there's, they're yeah. boiga, yeah. you know, they, they breed like, like left to their own devices. Right. They've, got, they've got no pre They've got no predators. There's no humans molesting them. Like, so yeah, they might eat a chicken bone out of the trash can without being in a, in a, in an enclosure. But, uh, you know, if you, if you were doing it, they might not be, they might just be that picky mangrove snake, you know, or right. whatever. So like, I, I don't know what, like, what we could do other than maybe like promote like what's going on down there and, and like, you know, whatever. But I told Kevin, I'm like, everybody, you know, bitches about like, like, um, collectors and decimating wild populations for the pet trade and all this crap. It's like, Hey, you have fish and wildlife, put your money where your mouth is and just enlist a bunch of herpers that have nothing better to do than take a free trip to Guam and put like <laughs> a thousand people on the Island and pay like, like either just pay yeah. their airfare and food and let them go at it and turn in every single snake or whatever for humane euthanization, not fucking don't, don't be assholes mm. about it. Cause I like, I like these snakes, but I, I agree that, you know, like they, like they're not supposed to be there, but guess what? Like, guess who brought them there? These assholes, fucking people, you know, I get on my high horse about people all the time because we talk about all this invasive species crap. And it's like, we're the reason these animals are wherever they are and all this stuff. But it's like, yet yeah, we are allowed to breed and keep producing offspring that, you know, like, you know, like nobody has to prove that they're a qualified parent to me. And it's like, oh, you know, you drive by, past the billboards that are like, my heart's beating after 18 days. It's like, you know, it, like I feed cute little mammals to cold blooded animals. And, you know, it's like I yeah, I feel like I feel worse about doing that than I feel about humans. Like I literally love our rodents and I'm just like not I'm not so sympathetic about humans. You know, some people are like, oh, I've got kids. I'm like, I don't care. You know, like, I, you know, people. I'm like. Yeah, like I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to be a, a human, you know, like I'm trying to like do the best. Like I'm still like I'm a hypocrite, too. You know, I live in a house that's, you know, like that destroy habitat to to make habitat for me and, st and all that stuff. Like I get it. Like I'm no I'm no better existing. But I like at least like, hey, like just like be better at like, you know, not just reproducing to reproduce like you know yeah. it's like like all these people like there's just too many people and not enough good ones you know like there's there's like most of them are just sucking up resources and you meet these people on the day-to-day -day basis where you're like how are you still alive you know that person shouldn't <laughs> be you know they should just be gone and uh like I, you know i don't know like so when we talk about invasive species, I just I just can't really get on board with it because I'm like, uh, you know, here we are just like running shit over mm -hmm. on the on the highway on a daily basis. Like we're putting like we're destroying habitat at alarming rates. You've seen the um, all the memes on Facebook and stuff lately about, you know, 
whatever that just burned down and and it's like hey we're all worried about this place that you know stood for 850 years but here's this rainforest that's getting cut down at an alarming rate nobody cares and that's really true nobody you know it's like i understand it has historical value and i like as a non-religious person i do get it like the whole deal of it being 850 something years old but at the same time like it's just a building it is. I mean, yeah. Like I, I, like I haven't. Yeah, like people probably will get really upset when I say I haven't really been following it because you know what? I just really, it's just not something that I'm. Yeah, you know, like you're too busy honing your craft. Yeah, I just don't care. You know, I just like yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> it, 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 it's like whatever building that a bunch of bunch you of you know little. You tried to give him yeah. now. I did. You tried. You know, you're too busy. Right. You're too busy. Yeah, you're too busy. Too busy your your, He's like, no, your that's no, not I just it at all. Care. I just don't I, give a <laughs> shit. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, when people like meet us, and then they're just like, you do, you guys do what? And and it's just like people just think we're so crazy. Like, oh, you guys are crazy for working all these venomous things. I even asked Pia the other night. I'm like, do you ever really even think about these things being like what they are? You know, and and. and and she's like, not really. Like we know, like we've got our protocols. If a bite happens, and we follow their, you know, yeah. we we be as safe as we can and stuff. But it's like, you know, like there's like, you hear all the time, like people that are like, oh, like I'd keep venomous, but my wife won't allow it. Like I got the best life ever because like we've literally got like a hundred snakes in our bathroom right now that are in quarantine, like you know, and it's just like a normal thing, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, like it, it, it's like we don't really think about. Uh, it, like it, it, like they're not, they're not like these spooky monsters that right, people like. It's right. like okay, like we work them with what they are, like we respect them. They're like it's not a bunch of weird folklore stuff about them. It's just like okay, we just dude, like they're amazing animals, and and we know like how their behaviors are on 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 which ones and 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 certain individuals and stuff, and we just are ready for that, and we we work you know with the proper stuff and you know equipment and and it's just like they're not scary you know like yeah. when you when you when you know about them you're just like yeah don't let that thing scrape yep, you because your much. hand might melt off yeah. like <laughs> you know? it's pretty easy but, to keep them and it's pretty easy to not get bit you just have to use your fucking brain yeah and, and it's like if people are just like they're so spooked of them and then like when they actually get to work with somebody that can like shed some light on it like hey this is they're not as bad as you think they are mm-hmm. at all they're not like they're not like even the mambas and stuff you know it's like they're mambas yeah and they're flighty and they're nervous and and uh you gotta hit like they can certainly be the most dangerous captive venomous snake you'll ever work with for sure but once you know them and you've worked with them a couple times you're like they're just doing what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're mm-hmm. just doing their thing. And you're, you're this animal that's provoking them and grabbing them and trying to pull them out, you know? And it's like, they don't know that you're just trying to give them a fresh water dish. Like, and you have to learn how that, like, if you're going to work tigers, you need to know like all the things that tigers can do and what they do and their signs and, yeah. and uh, how to work. I don't do tigers. You know, Pia is like, Pia is way more well-rounded than I am. You know, I'm pretty, much exclusively with reptiles and i know a little bit about mammals here and there because of the runoff knowledge of being around zoo people and stuff but like you know i you like you couldn't get me around a tiger being like a like a real tiger like doing tiger doing tiger shit you know (laughs) 
you know, like like I wouldn't know. I would I would be like, oh god, you know. But like people that work tigers, like they're on it. They know yeah, exactly yeah. what they need to do with those animals. And like like same with a mamba. They would be, I'd be like, hey, dude, it's easy. It's totally fine. Like this, you know, it's fine. I, I've got some mambas here that are like eastern green mambas that are not as bad as some of them can be that mm-hmm. if like we want to do some elapid training and get some exposure of how they like to go up hooks and do things like that yeah. like these i just i literally just swallowed a mosquito you guys are so lucky we didn't do carpet fest now because there is a lot of mosquitoes out like we like oh it was cold then and it was like it was. yeah i just I literally just engulfed a mosquito, which is really good. Like, hopefully, I don't get West Nile or Lyme disease. Or no, no, that's a tick. <laughs> Lyme, Lyme disease is a t- tick thing. But, uh, but yeah, you know, you were, you know, like you give a tiger person a mamba, and they're good. they're not gonna know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like, like you gotta like work into that and know those animals and and really like be astute to like you really have to want to learn those animals to work those animals and yeah. be patient enough to to learn them and and all that stuff um and uh like yeah so it's it, they're they're not as they're, they're just like once you, once there's a like once you unravel the mystery of these animals like they're not they're really not as bad as as you think but not to say that they don't require somebody who has experience to work with those kind of animals because they're you know they, they certainly can kill you and, and be a danger to other people if you don't have the experience to work with them but uh when i work with them i'm just like i expect mambas to be mambas and mm-hmm. and if and if they just if they go into the holding can quietly i'm like sweet and if they decide to do all the you know go over like over the ceiling all the, yeah, all the goofy the shit. yeah if they want to do all that stuff there's uh uh, you know, um, oh, okay. I just got a text message from PSN that we should start ending it. So I don't know if I'm, go- I'm, 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 like, I'm, I'm rambling I'm, again. I'm trying to keep him on track. That's what I do. It's all good. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I ramble. No, I'm good go with it, on. man. I, it yeah, doesn't bother yeah, me yeah, none. So- Jake's got to get up we early. The, we can totally do the four-hour thing. Like, I'm off tomorrow. Okay, I, I got to go to – I got to head Jake's, to Florida at Jake's around 6.30 like in the morning. So. Come by our house. You can hang out. Uh, well, there's, you're still several hours away. <laughs> I'm trying to get – I heard that we're going to central Florida, and um, I heard there – or we know there's a, supposed to be some storm going through at around 1 yeah, o'clock. Yeah, there's a storm coming tonight – or tomorrow, I think. Yeah. Midday. I think my. Blood. Is there really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what are you guys going to Central Florida for? I'm not going. He's going. Oh no, it's just me and my roommate. Yeah, we're him. visiting a buddy of ours in uh, Hollywood. <laughs> oh, cool. Hollywood. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Need I mean, I'll, like I said, I'll stay up all night talking venomous. I could go all day. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I, I got you know nothing to do tomorrow other than everything, but like you know, I could. uh I love yeah, talking about all the stuff I'll never, I'll probably never get to keep. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, was there, I know Pia said that like, you get like both Rekis and Mambas and stuff. If, if there's anything that I could say really, really quick, you know, but, uh, yeah, like, like ask away. Well, that's just what I was telling this. her at Carpet Fest is I'd really love to get in. Like I have zero desire to keep pretty much any Lapid. Um, but the small arboreal stuff like the Bothriacris, uh, you know, the Etheris, like that kind of stuff, I'm like all about. But I don't know if I ever will just because I I had a – we were talking in Messenger one day about it. And I was like, I want to do it, but I want to do it 100% right. You know, if I'm going to do exotic, I really would prefer to have 
anti-venom on hand, which, you know, usually isn't financially feasible for myself and a lot of people because it's, I don't, I don't know. I just don't want to be one of those people that just kind of cowboy up and go to Repticon and buy, you know, a Chlorecus or something like that and then say, well, hey, I'll just go to the hospital and they can figure it out and save me. I don't yeah, want to be, uh, be that guy. <clears throat> yeah, the Etheris, you know, it's like, yeah, that, that, like what we were talking about earlier with like starter stuff when they said, um, you know, what you were talking about, people say it's like Squamajera are a good starter. Like they may, they may be okay because of their like physical abilities mm-hmm. and, and their size and stuff. But like, let's just say you're totally inexperienced and you let your guard down and you take a bite from one. Well, now you don't have anti-venom because it, it doesn't exist. Right. Um, you know, and, you know, so, so that makes it instantly, uh, not a very good starter snake because, you know, cause like when we were talking about like with the native stuff, at least hopefully depending on where you are, mm-hmm. native stuff could be like, if you're in Australia and it's native and anti-venom is readily accessible and blah, 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 you know, and it's same with, with here, but like a ferret, you know, same with like coral cobras and stuff they don't have a tremendously toxic venom in yeah. relation to other elapids but they don't have an, a specific anti-serum so really it's just supportive care and like hopefully you just pull through it with without it not being too bad and um see know, and that's so... my thing too is like do i really want to go through do i want to jump through all those hoops of getting in my own anti-venom and stuff like that and um doing everything you know taking everything to that level just for the sake of keeping that species just because i want it you know if i'm not really working towards anything and i don't plan on breeding and i don't plan on selling and i don't plan on being really involved in anything other than just having it for the enjoyment like is spending all that money and stuff worth doing that and to me it's really not but that's that's my opinion that's me yeah, I mean, like, you know, I don't, I don't think it has to be as hard as maybe uh, previously thought. Like, if you, you know, it, like, if you if you look into the antivenom and, and um, you know, going through the, you know, the FDA and getting your IND uh, license, which is, stands for Investigational New Drug, you know, because that's what antivenom mm-hmm. you know, still is, mo- most of it. Like, there are some FDA-approved ones. Um, but, uh, like Crofab and, um, anti, any vip, am I, is that right, Pia? Is, is that the anti-vip? new one? Yeah, I think yeah. That's, a new, that's a new one. Forgive me, Ray Morgan and Leslie Boyer, if I got that wrong, <laughs> if you ever happen to listen to this, but yeah, like there are a couple ones, but like it's, uh, you know, we're working with our, um, ER doctor who would be, um, uh, handling our envenomations if if one were to happen um and we're going to be bringing in our own anti-serum um you know because we have you have to get your er doc to sign off on it and do that because we were we were like thinking the same thing like oh this is going to be just so terribly hard yeah. and annoying you know and, and he's like oh you just got to like no, an ER doctor, and he's like, you know, giving the nudge thing, and it's like, oh, okay, well, this is, I'll be met him at the um, uh, 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 Venomous Herpetology Symposium in uh, Miami, and he's our, he's the director of Venom 1 now, and Venom 2 um, up here in, uh, in, like, you know, north central Florida area, Uh and, um, you know, it's like, like becoming friends with your ER doctor is so important, whether it's not, 
whether it's it's ven- like native venomous <laughs> or exotic, like like them just like just showing up to whatever your hospital is and saying like, hey, this like this is what we do, this is what we keep, and just taking that extra step. So like when the when the event happens, if it does happen, hopefully it never happens, but if it does. You don't have to wonder like, oh shit, where is it gonna go from yeah. here? Like if a, if a if a bite happens, it's uh, you know it's it's on the phone with our ER doctor immediately. We've got to sell nine one one, you know, just to put mm-hmm. the call in there or whatever. And uh, we're we're about to start practicing live bite drills here, you know, with the whole nine yards, the emergency responder team, and all that stuff. Um, just to, just to get it on lockdown, you know? So when it, like, if it does happen, you know, like there's no downtime, like, Oh, it was what a black Mamba. Are you sure? Like, you know, whatever it's, it's going. And, um, by having our own anti-venom on site too, that just speeds up the, um, you, you know, like the, the chance of a, of a positive recovery, whether that's, tissue damage or death Mm -hmm. and and uh you know so if you're gonna you know like in the beginning like i wasn't doing any of this stuff right like as you as you learn more and you meet more people and you realize hey it's not as hard as you thought it was like you just have to go and meet these people and and tell them what you do and get them on board with what you do and like so like then it just depends on what you want to do like if you're if you want to keep these animals, you don't necessarily have to keep the antivenom if it's legal in your state to have these mm-hmm. animals. And, you know, like, but at least know where your source of antivenom is going to come from. Maybe talk, reach out to these people. And like, even if it's like a zoo or something and you're not going to keep your own antivenom, at least let them know who you are and be friends with those people. Like, so that way they don't at least hate you that much if you get bit yeah. and they have to send their <laughs> antivenom to you. Like, yeah. they at least like you enough. So we're like, oh, damn it, another private sector person got bit. Because, you know, like, if they know you, you're not just that private sector person. You can be on the level of these professionals if you're, mm-hmm. if you're doing, if, you, if you're acting like a professional. And, um, you know, they might have the antivenom and it might be very hard for you to get it. But it's like, you know, you are in contact with them and stuff. Maybe, maybe that changes stuff a little bit. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, like some of these exotic antiserms, they're not as expensive as you think, you know, like yeah. if you go through the, if you just go through the paperwork process, you know, you could have like a starter dose of, of antiserm for a lot of your different stuff for not as much as you're going to be paying for your North American antivenoms, you know, like, so, so you can definitely get it. And, and that's where we're going with it, you know, cause, um, I don't like. I don't know if we if we said much about it while we were like during Carpet Fest because you guys were there. It was pandemonium. And, yeah, it was. Uh, like at least getting at least getting everything ready for people to come in. And then I met Jacob once he came in there. And then like the night went from good to great, and we were just partying <laughs> until the until the sun came up. Literally, you know. And it, like, uh, but uh, we're like once we move to Orlando, we're looking for a property right now, and we're going to be um, opening a public facility. Um, we're going to be calling it the Reptile Preservation Institute, and uh, a lot of focus will be on venomous species. A lot of you know a lot of stuff that's mm-hmm. either not commonly kept or worked with, and trying to do conservation projects and in, in the different you know, places that the animals that we keep occur, you know, and try to yep. try to do do something a little bit more 
for these animals. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of species that we keep, like, you know, there's Guatemalan palm vipers and things like that, that, you know, we're not selling, we're not breeding them and selling them. And if we, if we're lucky enough to breed them, you know, these animals will, will probably stay with us or, you know, go to very select people that are going to, you know, do right right, by these animals. Definitely. You know, and a lot of zoos and stuff are the ones that are going to do that because they keep, they keep these records. They keep like, they're really strategic about this stuff and reptile folk may just, you know, the next time they have to sell something to pay for the next project that they're into, the animals are gone, you know, and they might go to somebody that's not carrying on like the integrity of, of certain species and stuff. So like, we, you know, after working in zoos and doing all that stuff and having all the permits, you know, to be able to open a public facility and after Carpet Fest and, you know, bumping up our venomous permit to be able to exhibit, mm-hmm. well, you know, it was kind of a natural progression yeah. to build build the infrastructure to allow people to come in here and enjoy these things, learn about this stuff. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I really like talking to the, the Joe Q public that, you know, before what like was were the snake killers, and now they're not, and respect them, and 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 uh, you know are not killing them versus having the same old damn husbandry debates with uh, all the reptile people out there. So, um, you know, we're like we're in the process of because we're going to be moving from where you guys were here at Carpet Fest to uh, to Orlando to get closer to Disney, so Pia could mm-hmm. you know keep keep doing what she's doing because that's what she's got to do you know like that's that you know like we can't like as we develop and grow into the reptile preservation institute like like we like as pia's veterinary background is like we can't do what disney can do you know they're awesome and you know so she needs to be in that world so we're going closer to that being because we're in melrose florida right now and we first met you know, I was working at St. Augustine Alligator Farm and she was working at the University of Florida and we were right in the middle. And that was where we are now. That mm-hmm. was where we were living, you know, and after we uh, we went to Arizona because I took the curator reptiles position at the Phoenix Herpetological Society just to you know backtrack. And we, um, you know, that didn't work out. So we moved back to our property that we did not sell. We just rented out. So we came right back here. Pia was able to get the job at Disney, which was perfect for what she needed to do and where we were at with the collection i could do this pretty much anywhere i could do this anywhere in florida because we have all of our permits you know being out of the zoo field and stuff now but having all of these permits well what's a really good place to maybe get this going maybe orlando where there's a lot of tourism and people that are there you know like where you guys were in podunk melrose florida may not be the (laughs) best place it was the middle of nowhere yeah, like it may not be the best place to start something up, but that way PAK gets closer to work so she doesn't have the two and a half hour commute to work every day and back, which is, is like, you know, a fun commute. And, yeah, I think we were talking uh, about crackheads or something the other day and I called it Meth Rose, Florida. Yeah, yeah. so. Like, we definitely live in like Meth Rose, meth rose Florida. You think so, Pia? I don't, I don't uh, really. They only I mean, walk I at was night. at I was at the grocery store today, and there was a person <laughs> I was debating on whether they're they were a meth head or not. That good old Southern game of what drug is it? Yeah, it's usually meth. Meth or usually crack meth. or bath salts. I was just about to say bath yeah. salts. <laughs> Yeah. So like, yeah, like, like I really like our property and where we are. It's a good one, but 
you know, for what we want, you know, we work with a lot of zoos and I know a lot of zoo people, you know, I was just at a zoo conference. I still, I still hang out with all these people and, you know, I was um, telling them what we were doing and got a lot of really positive feedback, which I'm happy with because the zoo people, they're hard people to please, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. you know, and the, like I said, they're like, they're running out of room and stuff to save the world. So like the more people that actually step up to the plate that are, that are really doing it to do it. And maybe, you know, not just a, you know, as a passing phase or whatever, but you're very valuable to these zoos, you know? Um, so like, and I'm not a lot of, there's, there's so many venomous species that are in a lot of trouble that aren't even really recognized. Like if you look at, you know, CITES animals and stuff mm-hmm. like the, the, not very many animals are listed. And, and uh, a lot of these animals are occurring in places that are just disappearing at a rapid rate. So, you know, after going to Guatemala and, and really getting to um, become friends with, with some people down there and stuff, I'm just like, man, this is like not so hard to work with some of these places you know, if you mm-hmm. just are willing to put, if you're willing to put in the work, people are like, it is work. It's not easy, but if you're willing to work with some of these, like a lot of these people, they, they really appreciate the help because they're trying to get going and they're trying to save animals that people, you know, have all these weird little like kooky things, you know, like a bronia, you know, everybody, the, the Mexican alligator lizards, the bromeliad lizards, they're, you know, like everybody thinks that they're ve- they're venomous or poisonous out there. So they kill them because they all call them scorpions. You know, they all call them scorpions and they kill them. <laughs> you know, it's like, how weird and kooky is that? But they don't know any better, right? Because mm-hmm. this is just their culture. So it's like, man, if you're, if you're out there and you're doing stuff and you're showing these people this stuff, they're not going to kill these things anymore. And that's conservation. Like we think of conservation as like, Oh, we got just got to breed the shit out of these things and let them go. <laughs> you know, it's and that's so not simple. it. Like it really is like you go there, like when we were there and, and just like working with people and doing stuff, like it's just, you know, they're like, Oh, they're not scorpions. They're freaking lizards and they're harmless and they're awesome. Like, you know, like, and we should love these things. And that's conservation. Like if, if, if people don't kill them because you talked to them and said, Hey, you don't need to kill these things anymore. They're actually harmless. And you've been completely stupid this whole time. Like, you know, they're like, we don't say that to him. You got to like do the soft thing, you know, where you're like, God, don't do that. But, uh, you know, it's like, you could do a whole lot of good. And, um, so yeah, when we moved to, uh, Orlando, that's, that's where we're, we're going with that. And, uh, you know, like it's like you guys saw while your hair just like probably seems like a natural progression for what we're doing. Um, I don't necessarily want to be breeding and selling these things, you know, mm-hmm. just just to, just to anybody, you know, like there are definitely a couple people that that are more than qualified to have them that are outside of zoos and private people for sure. But I, you know, just as the longevity of a lot of the species that we keep, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily be just breeding them just to send them out you know, like to, to unknown husbandry conditions and things like that. Like a lot of these zoos, they're accredited for a reason, you know, like they, they, they meet a lot, you know, all these like, uh, welfare standards and stuff. I'm not trying to be like the HSUS kind of person, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they're, they're all on the same page with their husbandry. It's not a bunch of people doing a bunch of weird, different stuff. And, 
and everything. So like we, we just kind of want to be able to do something more than just, uh, you know, just, just read uh, animals just to send out and, and, you know, to, to just anybody and ha- actually have a, a plan and a purpose for it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so like that, that's what's going on now. And uh, I'm going to come up for air. Pia, do you want to add anything to that? As no, I'm eating, eat, eating by I, mosquitoes. I feel like you cu- you literally covered everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm we're sorry. coming up on two and a half hours. I think it's. Yeah, I feel like this this is pretty much like where we should cut it. <laughs> on a good note, <laughs> we can uh we can we can do a a part two at some point. Yeah, yeah there will um, be a part two, a part three, yeah. a part four. It's part fine five, with me. Like I said, I'll talk venomous all day, man. Yeah, I love it. I feel like we we like we we were like okay, we're gonna talk like you know mambas and all this stuff yeah we talked like three seconds on mambas yeah i i had like i had a pretty decent list of stuff to touch on i think we hit like maybe yeah. half of it i mean less, uh, less, I... less less than one on cody you just start on one topic and you get 17 <laughs> i'm sorry like because i gotta give credit where credit's due like name drop people that were significant no, no. But, like, i mean it's like it's fine it, it makes our job well it's easy it's better to have somebody who's gonna take it and run with it than have someone who's just gonna give you like yes and no answers and not really talk with you, you so that's a, that's the thing too it's like <laughs> i don't like like when i was talking to Pete earlier i'm like what do we talk about with mambas and both reactors like do I even really know a lot about those snakes? Because I'm like thinking about them. Like they're so simple <laughs> to me. How, how am I going to make this entertaining? And then like, well, no, like you talked like chondros for like 45, which minutes is to fine an hour. with me too. That doesn't bother me none. Like we're talking about like my two favorite things, like venomous and chondros. And you know, you know what we need to do? What we really need to do is we need to get Tony Daly Cruz on here because Pia, like you gotta agree with me on here. Yeah. Just Justin and Tony Daly Cruz sound like they could be twins. Like I feel <laughs> like I'm talking to Tony Daly Cruz, the 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 president of the Rattlesnake Conservancy on here. Like I, I don't know if you guys know Tony Daly Cruz or not, mm-hmm. but he's uh was a pretty pivotal out here in Florida, like where um like he's putting on a event buzz for buzz tails at uh the metox and venom laboratories yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw and, that. yeah so like he's a bit like you, you the voice is on on the on the phone there they just sound so similar it's like am i talking to tony daily cruise right now <laughs> which, which is a compliment which is a real like, it is definitely a compliment but um well i mean like i know you guys gotta go you got some 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 stuff you know like we, we probably have a little bit of time because everybody likes when these things go to overdrive i mean you guys listen to the four-hour podcast what, i do jake doesn't do well, let, <laughs> let, let me let me let me try to hammer out some quick questions that we want to talk about and pierre can stop me and say stop and we can go to the next one let, let's do a fire round everybody's gonna like it all right go where can people find you? <laughs> oh, people can find me on uh, Facebook, um, Cody Bartolini. Um, also, uh, Terrestrial and Arboreal on uh, on Instagram uh, on uh, on Facebook. Also on Instagram. Uh, let's see. Uh, but no more no more Instagram stories until you delete some photos. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying. Yeah, I was like, looking at that earlier. You haven't posted on Instagram since like October. 
Yeah, like my phone filled up, and it's a lot of Guatemala stuff that oh. like I, I took like start a Google Drive pictures. and just put it in that. Back it up. You can get like a I think you get like five gigabytes of of drive space on Google Drive for free. That that's what I heard. So that's definitely something. And it's that, super that easy to do. So, yeah. So Cody knows nothing about like technology and stuff like that. Like he, when I met him, he had no like he had a flip phone and like couldn't do anything. He's like and a ninety year old now, man. Now look at him. Yeah, he's like yeah, a like like grandpa. She gave me a, she gave me an iPhone and like when we started dating, she's like, "This is your new phone," and I'm like, "I could look at the MVS forms on this thing. Sweet, <laughs> you know." So like it like and I was so against social media like I just hated it I was just like I'll just like handshake somebody and like meet him and get a phone mm-hmm. number I don't need this social media, and then like after I um, resigned from the the zoo field kind of I never really resigned but you know from from a paying place uh, everybody was like you need to get on there there's a lot of like networking and good stuff that's mm-hmm. going on on there and I was like I was fighting it so hard and like on a World Snake Day I was like all right fuck it I'm just gonna get a damn facebook and that was like in 2016 or something and uh it has its redeeming qualities but for the most part it's just a cesspool yeah for sure like they're like great great like classifieds on different stuff Mm -hmm. and whatever but like like typically i get really aggravated looking on facebook i just like like I get so like you get so sucked into it so quick, and you're like, oh, I just want to fight everybody on here because everybody's so stupid. And then you do that, and I instantly go to Facebook jail because you can only <laughs> voice your opinion so much before the like, hey. always watching. Yeah, you're like, yeah, Big Brother's like, you 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 were out of line. You're going to Facebook jail, and you will think about what you said that was actual factual for the 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 next forty eight or twenty four hours. And we'll let you get back on Facebook. And, uh, but it, uh, you know, it ended up being really good. And there is a lot of good people on there to be met. There's also a lot of drama. You know, if you stay away from the drama, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we do have a website, terrestrialandarboreal.com. Um, as we develop the Reptile Preservation Institute and, and all that, like Terrestrial and Arboreal. You know, it's like we we were talking about keeping it there in some capacity, like as, like for stuff like our green tree pythons and and things like that, mm-hmm. like an outlet to you know because yeah. we have developed we've we've developed at least somewhat of a you know people recognize us from that name and and everything and then like if we do breed stuff at the reptile uh, you know at the RPI. Um, you know, we're not going to post that on Facebook in a classified like, oh, the Reptile Preservation Institute has this for sale. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like not what it what it is. So, like, uh, you know, if we do have stuff and it doesn't go to other institutions or whatever, like we're not above, you know, sending it to <laughs> qualified private individuals. There is a lot of really great people out there. So the terrestrial on boreal might stay there in the capacity of, um, you know, being able to outlet animals you know, without, you know, like co-mingling the things, but we're still trying to figure out what, what we really want to do with that and stuff. But we, uh, yeah, so we, we like the name still, but well, that'll, uh, be, a, know, that's that'll you... be a cool project. We're going to be following that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh we're, we're excited for it. It's, um, you know, it's a bunch of heartache and aggravation and, and, uh, frustration, but you know, it's, uh... There is a Facebook and a um, Instagram page for the the Reptile Preservation Institute. Oh, is it? So if and, yeah, okay. I've, I'll, I'll, it's been kind of low key, cool. but there we, is one. 
it's it's like a soft open. Like Pia, she's no. awesome at all that stuff. She's the one that does this. No, uh, by awesome, I like barely do anything. Well, we're also kind of trying to keep. You know, we're like we're not there yet, so we don't want to be like, hey, here we are, because then people are gonna be like, I want to go, and you're yeah, like, where we're are not you there located? Yet. Yeah. yeah, so uh, we're still like we're looking at a place in Orlando like or outside of Orlando where we're like within like 30 minutes of all your tourist attraction stuff. So people can, can, can get there through that. But um, we want it to be a more uh, like of a low key conservation facility. Like, like Pia, she hit the nail on the head. Like she, like when she first came to Florida, she got an internship at White Oak, which is uh, NPA. You you want to describe? You know, you're you're the White Oak person, but I agree well, with this. So White Oak is a conservation center in Yulee, Florida, which is on like the Florida Georgia line, and it's a conservation center that bases its like self on like being a private place that a lot of the um, animals can kind of get more kind of seclusion and things like that and it's just a really really cool place so if you ever have the opportunity to go or look at it or follow it it's called white oak conservation center it's pretty awesome that sounds familiar i feel like they're I, awesome yeah either but, you, maybe but, you was you guys or somebody else was telling me about it yeah there it's um they do like they do primarily like mammals and stuff so like there's rhinos and zebras and like cheetahs and giraffes and like all sorts of like really cool stuff yeah, but they're not. But like you say that, and it's but it's like like zoos have that stuff too. But what makes White Oak really special is like what they have a they have an enormous amount of property. Their enclosures yeah. are amazing. I think I think they're on eight hundred acres, seven hundred acres, something like that. Yeah, like you know, just a modest amount of acreage, right? And like they they do amazing breeding work on on species that you know like zoos and stuff they might have reproduction but white mm-hmm. oak is regarded as as like they're doing awesome stuff but they're more low key private like they'll have people come in they'll do tours high end things high end dinners and stuff like that for conservation things and um, it's not it, it, like you have to be like in the know to get in there and do the stuff like it's it's awesome like you like it's a phenomenal and so like when pia said i want to be the white oak for reptiles like unless you've been to white oak you can't really like mm-hmm. fathom what that means but like they're they're doing phenomenal stuff on par with zoos but there it's a lot more quiet and like you know just a like an easygoing thing and like you've got like presidents have stayed in their suites like they've got different cabins and things like that where people could go there's like a golf course on is there a golf course on there Pia? yes yeah so when i was there there was like bill clinton was there snoop dogg was there like the um, lead singer of matchbox 20 was there it's kind of just like this like really weird cool place that nobody knows about that everybody knows about it's just it's just a really cool place yeah so if we could do something like that with reptiles where it's like it's kind of out of the mainstream zoo stuff but still doing really phenomenal work and bringing in people and being able to you know throw money at conservation projects have a have a like a banquet dinner where people you know rich people spend a bunch of money and that money goes out to 
you know, Montane palm viper conservation, some biology thing going on in Guatemala or Mexico where you just funded this person's research to be able to protect this land on these things. Like, you know, do stuff like that. It's it, like would be a little bit more like uh, meaningful to, mm-hmm. to doing all this stuff. And everybody can do this kind of stuff. So it's, you just got to work at it. So that's, that's where we're at right now. Kind of having fun with that. And, um, cool like i uh, just moving forward but uh you know oh well, i appreciate y'all coming on yeah jake uh, our pleasure jake jake just left jake had to go sleep oh poor so. baby well that's it like that's different he from bitched the jake out that i know yeah that's i know it. right bring back carter I fest jake i i got up at 3 30 this morning and i'm still up so i got up at like eight oh life's yeah. rough yeah it's he is definitely the most hardcore one on this conversation for sure. But, uh, no, I definitely, like, I'm going to just say, I apologize. Like, I'm going to get off the, uh, the phone here and tell Pia, like, Hey, I'm sorry for just going off on tangents, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I just like, don't come up for air long enough and just keep going. But as a radio show, like, this is awesome for you guys because like we just have like so many more episodes where I can get on Mm -hmm. track and just cover it all. You know, like if I was just like this person that was like, Oh yeah, no, I work with Mambas. Yeah. No Mambas. Mambas can be dangerous. Yeah. No, that's good. Like that would just be boring. You know, I got to have some story on some, have some personality. Exactly. Nobody has personality. And and Cody, Cody, Cody has enough personality for like, I don't know, 10 people. <laughs> That's what she says. And I was like, I'm not really that, you know, like I'm not really that outgoing. It's like, Oh, you're a social butterfly. No, I don't really like people that much. It's like, but I do really like the people that are, like, you know, you, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Like, I know what you people mean. People that I get are it. awesome. You love those people mm-hmm. and you want to talk to them forever. But like the people that you don't, you're like, I hate people. <laughs> like, yep. You know? So, and then I've also had like, you know, not that I should be publicly announcing that while I'm just walking around our property. Have like I had like four or five uh, swamp head, big nose IPAs plugged for our local microbrewery in Gainesville that are very good. So could get you off topic a little bit. <laughs> well, I think that. you should call it a night. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I get. I suppose. Well, thank you all again. Yeah, we appreciate it. Pia, thank you for the sponsorship with Fishhead. We really appreciate it, all that good stuff. Uh, We're happy to answer any questions if anybody has anything to, like, email us or, mm -hmm. you know, message or anything. Like, we're we're here to help. So just just let us know what we can do to help you guys. Awesome. Thank you. We'll talk to you all All later. I second everything Pia said. Thanks for having <laughs> us on. Um, I can't really add anything to that, uh, Jacob. I mean, I guess until next time. I'm sorry you had to go to bed. Um, but uh, he's a but yeah, no, no. Next time, like we'll we'll add we'll we'll talk some snakes. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do something. We'll you do... gotta like you gotta you gotta get your listeners just familiar with it, right? Like you know, even if we've been this on is other what they're stuff, in for, like, yeah, yeah. Like hey, you know, if you if you're hardcore and you want to listen for like just just you know unscripted banter for mm-hmm. three hours, you know, and then you might catch some like tidbits of good stuff going on in there. This is this is, this is it, right? 
yeah. the nuggets are, are buried deep. You just gotta you gotta, you gotta be listen. vigilant. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Right. I was actually I was gonna be cleaning rodents while I was doing this. It was like you could don't get any reception in the rat barn. Like you gotta be out of here. I was like, oh, okay, I could be doing this. Well, like be productive while I'm doing the interview too. You know, <laughs> and then you, and you could hear all the rats in the background, which is always fun. Nope. I didn't hear. I don't know if that's what you were doing. I didn't hear any. No, I was, I'm actually like, I'm hanging out right in front of the rat barn. I'm, uh, hanging out on the, uh, the well pump, you know, just get eaten alive by (laughs) mosquitoes because our house is so hot right now. Like not for, not for reptiles, but for us to where it wasn't going to be a really, it wasn't going to be a fun meeting. No, but like, I'm, I'm happy to be standing here leaning against this thing for the last three hours. Very honored. Well, I appreciate you getting eaten alive for us. For sure, man. Yeah, I got to swallow a mosquito live on air. You know, <laughs> it's good. But hey, thanks for having us for sure. And like, it was. I wish we got could spend more time with you when you were here. Yeah, I just kind of. I'm like super socially awkward, so I just kind of stood there like Michael Myers and didn't really like talk to anybody and just walked around and sauntered around the room like a giant shadow. Yeah, no, I wanted to talk to you too, and I was like, and then like towards the end, it was just like bouncing off of one yeah, thing to the it other. Really, and uh, it, like, it got derailed quick. Yeah, it feels like, you know, Justin's like, like the Montane room is his favorite, the best reactors. I'm like, oh, I should have been hanging out with him the whole time, you know? And you're like, you know, but every, you're like, trying, you're like, oh, hey, here, you get into this conversation, you go there, and now, like, mm-hmm. all this other stuff. It was just, it was pandemonium, and, you know, like us just, like waiting like like i we were getting exhibits ready for people to come in so i I didn't even i didn't even get to enjoy carpet i was like there's a hundred people out there you know people Mm -hmm. are out there and i'm i'm in there just doing what i do every single day just to make things nice enough for people to come in and really enjoy it because i'm like once the door is open i'm gonna be able to hang out until the sun comes Mm -hmm. up which we did you know but i'm like you know i don't like like at two o'clock when everybody started showing up and wanted a tour i'm like man we just got a whole bunch of new enclosures and lit up and done up and animals moved into them and we were just uh, we're like i gotta get this where like people can just walk around i don't necessarily have to be hovering over everybody making sure everything's going to be safe and whatnot and uh you know it was like once that's done we're good and and then we were and we got to hang out for a little bit but you know, once we move into the RPI, we'll have another car. Yeah, I was going to say, there. you guys did such a good job. I really hope you guys host it again and that we can get down there again in the, in the semi-near like future. To. We would definitely like to because, like, I, I was kicking and screaming the whole time when, like, like our, our buddy Levi, you know, said, you guys should have this here. And then, like, I, you know, w- w- went from that to it actually being here, like, from a, just a – Oh yeah, you guys should have it here. This would be an awesome place to have it. And I was like, oh, this is happening. It's like, oh shit. Like, we know how the reptile industry is. We need to make this place awesome enough to to, to support everybody coming here. So mm-hmm. it was like a massive undertaking to get everybody here. And then after that, we're like, oh shit. If we could do that, we could totally open a place to the public. Like if we did this at our house yeah. right now, like we, you know. We could do this. It's and, a good litmus um, test. For sure. Like, if we, like, so, yeah, no, there will, 
definitely be a, a, a carpet fest in Orlando, which will be even better for people because then people can fly right into Orlando. They've got everything. They can do Disney. They can do Universal. They can come to us. They can go to Carl Barden's place. They can go. That's to, like west so many... of you guys, right? Or is Orlando below you? It's south of us. Okay. So gotcha. yeah, we can do some. We we can do some really fun stuff. But all right, I'm done talking. I know that everybody Alrighty. wants to get off the phone. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm sure I'll talk to y'all later. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the day.